Hello and welcome to episode 180, 180 of the Roundtown Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this episode Get in the Zone because Mario Tennis Aces. It has zone thingies. Shots. Speed. More shots and more speed. So we're naming it after that. But but really this episode also is... A tribute to AutoZone. Who also gets in the zone. Or tells you to get in the zone. They're not in the zone. They are the zone and you have to get inside them. That's essentially it, right? Yeah. Huh. Got car troubles? Go to AutoZone. You know, it's times like these, I'm like, we should probably just have paid sponsors. Like, we're just free AutoZone publicity. Next, we're going to be like, you know what I could sure eat right now? A delicious Krispy Kreme donut. But we're not sponsored by Krispy Kreme. So you know where I got the that? oil that I put into my car that took me to E3? AutoZone. You got in the zone. Yeah. AutoZone. Anyway, <laughs> in this episode, besides AutoZone... Um, this episode also kind of conveniently falls in between um, Wimbledon and the World Cup, which are both going on, which is fitting because we happen to be talking about video games about those very sports. Like I said, Mario Tennis Aces and also Soccer Slammers from Atui on Switch. So we have impressions of those later in the show. We're also going to be revisiting Pokemon Go and its whole new trading system now that we're on the two-year anniversary of the game this weekend, which is kind of nuts to think about. Uh, plus there's a whole bunch of like post post E3 announcements that we're just going to talk about in news and that sort of thing so oh and actually speaking of e3 we also at the end of the episode have our e3 swag giveaway winner so stay tuned for that as always over at ramtown.com there are timestamps for everything that we're talking about there's anything you want to hear in particular you can also go to our youtube channel randomnintendo.com and listen to this there with links to the specific parts of the video not just timestamps but actual clickable things so yeah you have options but but to kick us off i'm gonna out random the random we just did with ozone i have a question it, it's random, but it's really not so random. You'll see. Um, when's the last time you watched Disney Channel? Probably yesterday. Oh, that's not the answer I expected. What do you watch on Disney Channel? Um, I don't really go there to look for anything to watch. <laughs> what? It just it comes to you. Um, just walks in your door. Hi, I'm I'm Disney Channel. I mean, well, I well I appreciate that Cartoon Network likes to run Teen Titans Go on loop like 24 hours a day <coughs> choke your water um, over this there are only so many episodes like I think there's over 200 but I've watched most of them and sometimes I've already seen it so I channel surf and then Nickelodeon also runs Spongebob a little too much and it's like alright I already saw that one so then you go to Disney Channel and, and, and what's on Disney Channel and, what, what do you uh, stop at Fancy and Ferb's long dead I don't know sometimes they have um, I'll watch that one show um, Star vs. the Forces of Evil it's an animated TV show it's pretty it's pretty well done um, you know the last time I watched Disney Channel that I can recall? Do you remember when we were kids and they used to do reruns of Growing Pains? Like the uh, 80s show Growing Pains? Growing Pains? It was a, sitcom, a family sitcom from the late Is 80s. Is that the one with... Kirk Cameron. Not what I was going to guess. Alan Thick. I was thinking even Stevens. No, that's Shia LaBeouf. Yes. This predates that. This is from before our time and they would rerun it on Disney Channel. And I watched the reruns. Wow. That's... The last time I remember watching Disney Channel. I, I mean, personally, kind of like you, I'm more of a Nickelodeon Cartoon Network guy, or I was when I was younger. I watched a lot of Nick. But yeah, a I mean, lot like, of like, like, even, like even that show that I mentioned, I don't really actively watch it. It's It has a lot of episodes that are self-contained, but for the most part, there's like an overarching story. So every once in a while when I tune in, I have no idea what's going on. Ah, yeah. But the uh, the reason I bring this up... Oh, and also um, Kids WB. Pokemon was on Kids WB, so I watched a lot of that. But the reason I ask... Is because we may have to start watching Disney because Nintendo is about to have their own Disney Channel show. Oh, and I know what you're talking about. its existence and the reason we're starting the episode with it is its existence sums up everything Nintendo's been doing since E3 ended. So the program is called the Nintendo Switch Family Challenge, 
And its basic premise is there's like four different families going against each other in a variety of Switch-based challenges. They claim it's going to be things like searching for collectibles in Mario Odyssey, competing in head-to-head matchups in Mario Tennis Aces, and participating in dance-offs in Just Dance 2018. Uh, so, you know, Pinnacle... I, I thought it t- went to Switch. No, so... Oh, yeah, and cow milking. Those dance-offs, man, they look... Or, or even, like, cow milking on... Imagine cow milking on Disney Channel. Like, this is peak TV. Like, people say we're in the golden age of TV. Right here. Right here. All they did was reboot Nick Arcade, modernize it, and make it instead of you watching someone else play games, it's you and your family watching someone else and their family play games. It's It's... True innovation, but Didn't no. Um, um, Double Dare just get revived by Nickelodeon. It did, and so, actually, so, I mean, they actually got stuff at Comic Con for yes, it. I guess Disney really needed something to compete with that. I I don't know if this is if this is that. I mean, from what I can tell, the special may only be a one time thing. They're not clear how many episodes it is, but it is airing on everything. It's gonna be on Disney. It's gonna be on Disney XD. It's gonna be on their streaming app, Disney Now. It's on everything. Like it's a big push. So maybe it is a Double Dare thing, even if it's just a one time. Did thing. you happen to watch Cartoon Network during the the dark period? What's the dark period? Um, when you better not insult one show I like. <laughs> when they canceled a lot of animated TV shows and started up a whole bunch of oh, live no, action no, shows. Oh no, 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 no! I was out. I was out way before that. I was out when Cartoon Cartoons oh, so were that still was a like brand. Two thousand tens. I was out like early two thousand. I switched MTV and never looked yeah. back when I was like twelve oh. or thirteen. Well, there were dark times. It was like you go to Cartoon Network, and there you have and they had live action. Destroy, build, destroy, hole in the wall. Oh, I remember this hole. In the, you know what's funny about Hole in the Wall is they had basically an uh, adult quote unquote version of it on Fox, the Human Tetris game uh, thing. But I forgot what it was called. But Fox had the exact same show. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll give them that Hole in the Wall was entertaining, just trying to see people like yeah make themselves those shapes. But I mean, not on Cartoon Network, not on my Cartoon Network, not but, my Cartoon Network. Yeah, but yeah, no. That that's the thing. It's like serious crew. It was like their take on Mythbusters, a prank show. Oh, uh, oh, but it was, it was a, like punk, but for kids. It was like uh, what's that show with um, Adult Swim, Andre, Andre, Eric, Eric Andre. Andre. It's Eric like the Andre. Eric Andre show, but, for but with kids? kids. Oh, so less crass and weird, and literally just raunchy and more just like like an example would be like jokes. <laughs> Like, they're just on a bus, a public bus, and then one of the kids starts yelling out, like, sausage party, just randomly just starts throwing sausages everywhere, and just runs out of the bus, and then that's it. And then now, see, just... that could also be on Eric Andre, because of the double meaning there. <laughs> it could easily also be on Eric Andre. That's like saying, yeah, the kids work on a bus, and someone's like, lemon party, and then it's like, no, that's a website, don't go there. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, um, no. This... Those stuff along those lines. Yeah. Now, actually, wow, someone in that show, someone in that show got their start in Hollywood. Someone from Hollywood got their start in the show. I forgot who yeah, it was. Yeah, like, so, really, someone on TV got their start in Hollywood. You don't say. <laughs> no, I know. It was the one thing where we were like, I forgot who it was, but we saw a movie and I know they're he really popular it. now. And then they're like, oh, did you know he was in this show? Kind of like how Stranger Things, the one guy, he was in the Switch Amiibo introductory yes. video. Yes, he was. Like, it was Steve. Yeah, it was the a guy who plays Steve, Joe Carey. It yeah. was along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Nice well, way to bring it back to Nintendo there. Um, yeah, I don't know who you're thinking of, but I'm sure you'll think of it about an hour into the show, and you can just blurt out. I no really context, doubt it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bad with actors' real life names. Ah, well, then never mind. But but um, yeah, I don't think the I don't think the fan, the Nintendo one is gonna be all that crazy. I don't think there's gonna be sausage and or lemon parties. That's the thing is, it sounds very like you're just watching people play games. It's like an esport version of all that stuff. So. I don't know, but what, so what's, is it just going to be a t- like a serialized version of the Nintendo World Championship? Well, I don't even know if it's serialized. It might be a one-off. I really have no idea. But what it pro- maybe, but like more family friendly. Oh no, yeah, they had families in that one. That's true. I don't know. 
But what's noteworthy here to me, and why it felt kind of like the thing to lead the whole episode with, is I sort of said this already, but like the mere existence of this show, special, whatever it is, is the demonstration of what how Nintendo's pivoted after E3. Like we're three weeks away from three weeks removed from the convention now, right? And in that time, there's been this pattern that popped up that I kind of in my head dubbed like Phase Two of the Switch marketing. Like Phase One was going after the core fans and the gamers, right? Like that was. That was at E3. That was best exemplified by E3 and the 17,000 hours of Smash Bros. that they showed. Like, that was for us. You know, and then they had Fortnite and all that stuff also for us. But then, like, as soon as E3 ended, Nintendo switched its attention over, no pun intended, to this. Like, they announced the Disney show, like, the next day. And it lines up with cons Nintendo's made in the past about how year two of Switch is all about, like, it's more important than year one. It's the year we go broad. It's This is... This is the year that we really have to reach out beyond our usual footprint. And doing an entire TV show kind of feels like that's them doing that. And then pairing it simultaneously with that Walmart tour they just announced, where they're taking, like, they're basically taking over 100 game trucks and putting them around Walmarts around the country. And you go with your family, and there's photo ops, and they have almost all the same games that are on the Disney Channel show. So Mario Odyssey, Mario Tennis, that sort of stuff, playable. So it's kind of like this kind of one two punch of. So if we're in a way, you'll have, like,. Demo kiosk in Disneyland. I mean, they already have the Disney. I mean, they did with... that with Six Flags in the past, and oh, they right. and they are buddy buddy with Disney. Yeah, so so yes, the LA Zoo. They did. We went. We yeah. went, and we saw gorillas, and then we saw virtual gorillas. And will do you think, or is it a no brainer? Do you think that they'll have any kind of demo kiosk at Universal Studios? Oh, for sure. Once Nintendo Land opens, like in the Nintendo World, shop, I guess. They're going to have a little, like, play area. Like, they'll probably call it, like, a play place, except it's not like a McDonald's play place. It's like a demo room or something. Because they used to <laughs> they'll have... They'll call it the PlayStation. The PlayStation. Yeah, they'll call it the PlayStation. It just confuse everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, but they, they used to do that. Like, um, they had a deal with... Well, we saw it. We were they our have friends. a platform in the shape of an X, and are you have to stand on the Xbox. Yeah, and, yeah stand on the Xbox to play at the PlayStation to try your Nintendo. Yeah. But, yeah, they... Um, they they did that with hotels and stuff. They did that with Royal Caribbean or one of those cruise lines where they literally have playrooms. And it was all Nintendo systems. Oh. And it was sponsored by Nintendo. This was back in the Wii days. So oh. it's possible. Well, I mean, we were at a Marriott a few weeks ago for a friend's wedding, and they had Wii U demo – or not demo, but Wii U stations set up. They had, well, one. Yeah. But that was but it was that a- was a thing they did back in the day, yeah. So who knows? But I, I think I think it was kind of more inter- more exciting than a, than a game show on TV is that the Phase 2 approach that I sort of am calling this is extending into actual product decisions that Nintendo's now doing. Like, everything we talked about up to this point is marketing, right? And if you're like me, or I guess sucks at you, we're not going to see or care about this show unless we seek it out specifically to see why we should care. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's not like this is catering to us at all. Not, are you going to watch it? Are you going to watch Family Showcase? I mean, unless, Showdown? They, unless they tease something like every episode we're going to reveal one new piece Smash of... Smash character. <laughs> yeah, we're going to reveal like a new piece of information for... But see, you could just get it from Twitter something. almost in real time, so you don't even need to watch. I would like to see it once to see how they do it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're going to watch it just out of the, because we like we do a podcast. We are in I that know, world. Maybe we'll get well, attached to a family thing. and I'll like root for them to win. Maybe. Maybe the Andersons or the... The Smiths. The Smiths, Yeah. Uh, why are they all generic white families? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know because it seems right. Find the Mar- yeah for di- for Disney. <laughs> Fine, I guess if they want to diversify the Martinez's. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the Martinez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, there we go. But but for us, they don't want to scare anyone away with like a, yeah, like a very like I think Mexican last name that I can't think of right now at the top of my head. Oh, I guess like mine, like Salado. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah people just read and be like, what? What little, brand of salad is sponsoring this? It's a, it's a little, <laughs> is this a dressing? It's a little too spicy for TV audience. Although it means salty, so that's even more it's, confusing. It's a very weak type of spice. Okay. But yeah, so Family Showcase, maybe, maybe we're, or Showdown, whatever they're calling it. Maybe we're going to watch once to see what's about. But I mean, it's not really targeted towards us or anything. But what what's kind of more interesting, I think, for Nintendo fans is if you look at what Nintendo's doing with something like Labo. I'm at least thinking, well, okay, this is actually interesting. Like, it's not just like, all right, it's marketing. This is some actual, like, product decisions being made for this purpose. Like, last week, they put out a surprise patch for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and it added support for the Toy-Con motorcycle, which are the cardboard handlebars for those who don't know the proper lingo for Labo. And it works. It's kind of cool. Like, basically what they did is they mapped all the actions to that handlebar, that cardboard handlebar, so you twist the handle to accelerate instead of using a button, and you turn it, you know, you swivel it, the handlebar, to kind of turn your bike or your car, I guess. Um, it's a little weird accelerating, actually, because the the rev, like the handle, the acceleration twist you do, yes, the accelerator actually is like analog; it turns because it's a you know a cardboard spinner, but the the input is still like a digital button press. So you turn it, and it either goes or it doesn't. You can't like inch it, which is kind of weird but besides that it actually works pretty well like everything maps well they they added a new like zoom in camera angle so if you're playing with the switch in the toy con in the middle of the handlebars they make it so the camera's basically glued to the back of the character almost directly so it really feels like when you turn it the character's still in the center screen everything just kind of turns versus them turning further down the screen you know what i mean so like it actually it it is kind of cool like it, it works and you don't even need the switch in the handlebars to do it you can have it on the tv and you can actually have up to four of the motorbike toy cons, you and three other people can, can we all be saying there. Activate doing this mode without the toy cons. Well, you yes, um, it's just an option on the bottom of the home screen or the menu screen, the home menu of Mario Kart. And then, but just, you, and and then, then just you just hold the, the but the, you have to like hold the. So the to, the Joy Cons actually go in at funny angles. Like you actually put the Joy Con in with the uh, backwards. So when you're like selecting tracks, you have to just like mirror in your head or flip it upside down. So that's just how they're docked. So. Um, You'd have to hold them upside down and do some weird stuff, but you can make your own. The mm. thing is, you could buy. Sounds like a fun challenge. You could buy just the motorbike toy con kit for ten bucks or twelve bucks off Nintendo's online store and build it just for Mario Kart, and you don't need any of the other Labo stuff. Or you can do some crazy build your own. No, that's, I like the idea of just like holding the Joy Cons, racing <laughs> against three other people yeah. that also are just holding the Joy Cons. We should try it. And then everyone just trying to race while just holding the Joy Cons in this awkward apparently awkward position we should try it. it it's a little awkward i mean it makes sense when you're with the cardboard but without it yeah it's a little weird but, but like bigger picture here what a strategic move for nintendo like they they claim this is the first of multiple switch games that are gonna get labo support and all those combined feel like a, like they could be a value add for labo like this could push people over the edge into buying it because unless the you're house kid, is definitely getting used at the yoshi story game oh for sure right considering they already showed a few houses yeah, yeah, like the house is easily going to turn to Yoshi. I bet you um, I bet you they're going to do some... Well, they don't have to, but it'd be kind of cool if they made the piano work for composing music in Animal Crossing. Hmm. Or like that prototype gun. Yeah, your town theme or that kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Or like they can get more elaborate with... Mu- they can have like a music mode inside Animal Crossing where you can actually compose things and put on concerts for your villagers. They can do cool stuff with this. Or like uh, you always reference that toy... Or not the, to- the not that toy, that gun Toy-Con. Remember, like every time you talk about what will we do for Labo next week, well, there was that one they showed in the initial trailer that like never came the out. The bird, 
Was it a bird? I well, thought it was a gun. Well, I mean, the bird is one of the ones that never came out. There was I thought also, I referenced it. Uh, there's a gun. The other more complex one that I always bring up is the the arcade stick, the giant arcade mm, stick. Right, right. Well, the bird could become a gun and could be used in Splatoon, in theory. The robot kit could be, if you want to suck at arms, that could be arms. You could map that entire robot kit to arms really easily. I think that can make more sense just to play with the already normal motion controls. Yeah, but that is not as dorky and fun, and it doesn't sell you on Labo. But yeah, the, the, the arcade stick, I'd be kind of curious. Arcade archives, maybe? They could well, map it to there. Well, I mean, the way the ar- that arcade stick moved in the trailer made it look like it was trying to mirror a... Like a plane's... Oh. Pet. Well, if Pilot Wings ever comes to Switch, mm, or if Star be... Fox Grand Prix becomes reality, in theory... That game is dead. It's not, not that it was ever alive. It, but, it, no, no, no. It's supposed to come in 2019. It's still alive. You wait and see. Retro Studios just tweeted out a picture of Meat and said, hope y'all have had a good July 4th. And I'm like 95% sure that Meat is a sign because the Meat was pork and the por- and pork is pigma. That was and definitely meat, was I know pork. it was beef. It was beef. I think it doesn't work. Fine. Other theory. Meaty single player experience. That's what they're teasing with their picture of meat. Frankly, what it is is it's HR being like, "Hope everyone had a good July Fourth to their employees." But it's more fun to think that they're teasing something out of it. You're right. It might have been Prime Rib, actually, but they're not making Metro Prime Four. Namco Bandai supposed to be. So I don't know. But anyway, yeah. There's a co- there's cool ideas they could do with Labo. And to get back to my point a second ago, um, like unless your kid's super into like the STEM or DIY like maker world. It's a big ask for a parent to spend $300 on a Switch, $70 on a variety kit, and or $80 on a robot kit, and then have no real use for the cardboard toy cons beyond the kits. But if more and more games support those toy cons in some capacity, then Labo kind of works into like how Amiibo works. Because like you bought Amiibo for a game or two initially, right? But then Nintendo's whole thing is, no, 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 they work across all these games. Maybe in minor ways, but you can you get value out every time you get a new game that supports that Amiibo. And if that sounds like it's kind of a ridiculous notion, ridiculous notion like that's what's keeping Amiibo afloat, Reggie actually attributed Amiibo's current continued success to the fact that it works across so many different games. He Someone asked him about it at E3. Just like, hey, how come the other guys died and you didn't? He's like, well, the other guys were all one game. We're any game you want. You buy I mean, it as a thing and then you use it across things. Are doing well? They're doing okay. They're still announcing them. They're still releasing them. They're going to reprint all the Smash Bros. ones in Japan. They confirmed all the returning characters to Smash Ultimate will get Amiibo now. Like mm-hmm. the ones that don't have them yet. I guess like, they're doing like, fine. They're not... I mean, obviously, I guess they don't have any buzz right now since... They haven't released any. The of craze has died down. They have the Octoling ones coming out. The craze. No, no one cares about those. Except maybe two people do. I know they care about the Marina ones. Well, the that, Marina and Pearl. Sure. Yeah, and that's July thirteenth, I believe. So that's in like a week. But yeah, the yeah they're not they're not selling gangbusters. They're not like a fad like they were. But they still are chugging along and making Nintendo money. So the idea that they could turn Labo into something that will just chug along and make them money and get more people enticed because it's just enough extra stuff it can do. You know that 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 seems like a huge value add for Labo, and and if you think I'm making this a bigger deal than it really is, they're already putting up billboards in Japan that are specifically advertising. Look how you can use Labo with Mario Kart Eight. Like they're promoting Mario Kart and Labo together now because they see the potential there. Like they're and they're also grafting over all the old One Two Switch mini games into Labo. They're making um like they have the cow milking really? and the flag raising. Those are the two so far. They're grafting them over as what they call Toy Con Garage blueprints quote-unquote and basically you download them through the nintendo news you know the news app on your switch and then all it does is just give you the games pre-made and you can go in and tinker with them and change them up 
So that's another like value add. They're basically making pre-existing mini games for you to then take take apart instead of just building things from scratch. Mm. So they're they're really trying here. They even in the UK just did a um, classroom session about Labo. Some school in the UK had thirty kids, ten and eleven years old, and their parents all come in, and a teacher like walked through how like Labo can enhance education and creativity and da 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 da. And it was obviously a bit of a PR move for Nintendo, but. You know, this all this stuff I'm listening off is grabbing that blue ocean audience or trying to. Like, this is very, this isn't just Nintendo doing some cool stuff with some cardboard. This is all very intentional. The the one thing maybe that is not grabbing the blue the blue ocean folk is more for us is that cardboard colored switch. Have you seen that cardboard colored switch? You know what I'm talking about? I do. Is that the one? The, is that the prize for one? Yeah. So basically, they're doing another creativity contest where you need to create, in this case, either the best game experience inside Toy-Con Garage, which is, you know, the DIY coding sort of interface of Labo, or you make a musical instrument. And then the winners will each receive a custom cardboard brown colored switch, which sounds stupid. Actually, it looks kind of nice. Like, I don't think I'd want to buy it, but it, lo- it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look, like, ugly. It actually kind of works. But but with that prize in particular, at least, that feels like it's more for the diehard Nintendo fans to get involved than it is for, like, grabbing new people. Like, people who either already own Labo or people like us who are just like, oh, look at that one-off Switch. Like, that's why I feel like that prize is carrying, too. But, but yeah, it's, um, you know, time will tell if this is actually going to work. But they're making some interesting moves. Well, hopefully. Labo's an interesting idea. And while I doubt I'm ever going to get into it, I definitely want to see... I don't know. I guess what other what else people have come up with? I've been there's some crazy stuff out there now. I was literally about to say I've been kind of disappointed with the internet. Have you seen the laser tag? Yeah, you're disappointed by it. Really? I don't know. I, I guess I, di- I'm expecting something. I haven't seen anything that blew my mind yet. I'm just waiting for that one thing that will. Blow How my did mind. laser tag not blow your mind? The guy has a stationary switch that he somehow with the Joy Cons made it so he could shoot. The, like the IR of the Joy Cons somehow detecting the other, or maybe did they wear the switch on their chest? I don't remember. But basically. They turned the Joy-Cons into laser pointers and made it a laser tag. I mean, I'm not saying that's not impressive. I'm it just saying it's not it's mind. not mind-blowing. It's not making me go like, whoa, like I had no idea that was possible. That's fair. It's like that's when fair. I see that, I'm like, all right, like I, I, I could kind of figure out. I don't want to be able to reverse engineer. I want it to feel like magic. I mean, I'm not uh, seeing a lot out of the, out the internet. The, out of the but, maker community specifically. But, you know, I mean, like it's the, no, whole, it's the whole world. Like, of course, there's that one person that is going to just like, blow everyone out of the water i'm just waiting for that person to come out like when we remote suddenly became actual like surgery training tools <laughs> do you remember that back in the day did yeah. that not blow your mind no no i guess but... that actually that one isn't that impressive because all they were doing was using super monkey balls motion controls for dexterity practice but that's cool to know but, yeah. yeah but yes yeah, so, i mean we'll see what happens with labo but it, it's fine because it's not just labo that seems to be like gearing up for this phase two of switch marketing funny enough the 2DS seems to be taking on that role more and more too. Like, like to be clear, Nintendo selling 2DS is because 2DS is still sell. They're making games for them because the games still sell. And all that's going to keep going as long as there's revenue being generated for Nintendo. Like, I'm not saying the 2DS only exists for Switch. That would be stupid. But in an interview with Game Informer back at E3, Reggie re-emphasized that 2DS for Nintendo is what he called a gateway. Like, in, in Nintendo's mind, the 2DS core audience is 5 to 8 year olds. He actually pointed out that the system's build is made in such a way that they can it can survive any sort of drop test because they know 5 to 8 year olds are just going to trash those things. That's why they look so like Fisher Pricey. But then his thinking and Nintendo's thinking goes that as the kids get older, 10, 11, 12, they're going to upgrade into the Switch. 
which is something we've heard Nintendo say before in financial presentations. Like, 2DS is kind of a Halo device for the Switch, the same way that, like, mobile games or the theme parks or the movies are going to be getting people into the IP to go check out the 2DS or the Switch. But what's new here is Reggie's saying not only is it working, but now Nintendo's going to double down on the idea. Like, according to Reggie, 2DS sales were up 27% this past December 2017 versus the December before that. Which is weird if you think about the fact that the Switch is now out and there's no real new games on 2DS we're talking about. Like, it, it yeah. in theory, that should not happen. But there's an audience for it, and it's at the right price that it does happen. And that means... How much is it again? Uh, it's 80 80 bucks. That's it. Wow. And it mostly comes bundled with a game, which means you're really paying 40 For whatever reason, I was expecting at least 100 The XL, the 2DS XL, is 129 The 2DS, like the flat one, the doorstop, is $80. Mm-hmm. But, and, and here's the beauty of it being so cheap. That means there's just that many more kids are getting indoctrinated into like the Nintendo cult and will eventually go to Switch. I mean, it sounds creepy that I'm wearing it like this. Like, five-year-olds are getting indoctrinated into Nintendo. But no, seriously, that's what's happening. You buy it as kids' first system, and then they upgrade over time. And if Nintendo wants to keep that momentum going and keep more kids getting indoctrinated and younger and younger and younger, they need to keep investing in 2DS. And over the past few weeks, we've already seen Nintendo start to demonstrate that they're willing to do exactly that. Like in Japan, they just announced not one, not two, but three new 2DS XL designs. One themed around Animal Crossing New Leaf, one themed around Mario Kart 7, and one is weirdly enough themed around Minecraft. Have you have you actually seen the designs of any of these? Yeah, the they're pretty nice. They've really embraced the the three D, yeah, yeah, the layered designs like the Minecraft one. It's like based on a creeper. And, it's just the face, and the pixels <laughs> are like they're differently layered. And it looks interesting. It's like I don't even know how to describe it. This is weird. This is it's weird basically the creeper's face, but it's as if he has like grooves in it. Like it's like it's stacked. He has craters. Yeah, yeah, he has craters and grooves. The the Animal Crossing one does something similar because that one it's just a pattern mostly but um it has in the middle the little animal crossing leaf is actually carved out so it has like some nice like animal crossing art and then the middle has that little leaf the most boring of the bunch is probably the mario kart one mario kart 7 just it's a red trim on a lid that has tire treads really thin tire tread pattern that's it doesn't even have a mario anything on yeah, it. the zelda one was definitely more eye catchy oh the high the high the, the island shield yeah yeah that one was announced for america after e3 as well I think, but I don't know if we covered it last episode. But it fits here as an example of how Nintendo's, you know, we're going down that road. But yeah, I think I think the Minecraft one's particularly interesting because that's Nintendo making a system of theirs themed around a Microsoft property. That's just weird. Like five years ago, not weird. Like now, it makes sense. I know I should think of Microsoft as a Microsoft property right now, but I still don't. But like, just think like it still feels like a third-party game. I guess because it's also on everything. It's because Microsoft adopted their we don't care about platform stance with it from the start. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same reason that they did that crossplay commercial we talked about last episode. Like, it's to them, it's about the service they provide, not the platform it's on, which is why they're comfortable doing all this stuff. Like, when they do it with uh, Office, they do it with all sorts of Windows apps being on iPhone now. Like, it's, it's, it's a thing. But, yeah, it's just. Five years ago, if I said to you, hey, Nintendo's going to come out with a Microsoft-branded, essentially, system, that would be insane. And it opens up so many doors. Like, Banjo and Smash seems totally reasonable now. Why not? Putting rare games inside the N64 Classic once that's announced, if that's announced, 
seems totally reasonable now even though when we did our wish list of what those games would be like a year ago we both were like no that's never gonna happen there's no way they'll strike a deal it's just like i don't know what else like halo coming to switch who knows like anything seems fair game now it's really weird i mean how, how is minecraft with the xbox integration because you have it on switch right yeah, is it like full on like sign into Xbox and then it has like the little achievements and everything? Yeah, or? I mean, well, Minecraft on the Switch, PS4, Xbox has been updated to simply just Minecraft. It's no longer Minecraft Nintendo Switch Edition, blah blah right. blah edition. Right. The PC edition, I believe, is now called Minecraft Java Edition. Right, right. And this yeah, is the Bedrock Edition. Yeah, right, and and it, and it just has the the same interface that you would see on the computer. You just sign into your account, see what. But it's like you're online. signing into an Xbox account. You're sending, a a mic- you're sending it to a Microsoft oh. account. Do they have achievements? So it's like the same thing as to whether you sign in to play a PC game. I, I mean, see. It's just a Microsoft account. So that means they do have achievements. I mean, it has in-game achievements. Like, I mean, like um, Xbox achievements? Like, does it do the little, like, whoom sound effect and everything? Like, it just uses the Minecraft interface. Oh, so sure it's not, like, too Xboxy. Okay. No. Because I, for some reason, I had this thought in my mind, like, did they just insert Xbox inside the Switch? Because no, it's, it's using it's all one achievement system across all your Microsoft stuff, right? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know if that's how this one works. I, hmm. For all we know, it just lives within Minecraft, and that's it. Gotcha. At least the achievements. But like, like the fact that that's now happening, like that would have been insane. I mean, it ago. was nice finally being able to play with my brother and my other friend on other devices. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, they were playing on PC, and I was playing on the Switch. Right. I I will say this isn't. If you start thinking about it, this isn't that absurd because we had Viva Pinata back on DS. We had um, almost Halo DS. We had another game I'm forgetting. Like, Microsoft has done this before. Oh, there's Banjo-Kazooie on Game Boy Advance. But those were all, like, by way of THQ. Like, it was a weird double licensing thing. where There's, like, a degree of separation. But now there's not. It's super weird. Like, I don't, I don't even know what else Microsoft could do that would be cool. Is there anything you would want to see on Switch from Microsoft at this point? Like, maybe... That rare compilation? Mm, not I, that I can think of. I mean, that rare compilation would be nice. It'd be nice to have access to just Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie. Goldeneye? Eh, that one could well, stay you, you, in yeah. the recycle bin. Hey, whoa. We probably just lost our listeners right now. Goldeneye is a true classic. How have dare you? Have you played it in the last two years? No, but I could appreciate things from for being from their era. Good save, Jason. Good save. I mean, uh, <laughs> you can appreciate it, but I mean, if it's going to... I'd like to have all the games in my collection to be playable. It's still playable. It's still playable. Just because it's single stick and not dual stick control doesn't make it unplayable. It's just... Have you played a in the product years? of its... Have you? No. Okay. I, have I know. 64, I'm just being... Horrible. I know. I have my 64 hooked up to my TV back home. I can, um, I can try this out. I have all my systems. You're gonna go accessible. home. You're gonna play it, and you're just gonna quietly like turn off the console, take the game out, quietly walk to your kitchen, just throw it, and into throw it in the trash, and then yeah. just sigh, and then, yeah, and then just go to sleep and cry, and then scrub this part of the podcast out. I'll go back to the file after it's uploaded and just quietly remove it. But uh, yeah, anyway, the the 2ds thing. We somehow got this whole Microsoft tangent, but the 2ds thing is like they're really going all in on this thing. It's it's crazy. Like here in the U.S., I guess we got the Hylian Shield edition, but. They also have a new... I could have sworn they've had this before. They just announced a new Super Mario Bros. 2 Electric Blue 2DS bundle. For 80 bucks. you get the game pre-installed and the system. I feel like they've done this like six times over already with this specific game. But either way, that's here too. So that's just another incentive. But what's crazy is this stat came out the other day that Nintendo of America is advertising the 2DS XL in a way more than the Switch right now. 
So there's this tracking company, ad tracking company called iSpot.tv, and they're reporting that in the month of June, Nintendo's number one ad spot was for the 2DS XL, not the Switch. Now it's possible there are multiple Switch ads that got more eyeballs combined, but in terms of single advertisements, this one 2DS spot, which highlighted, I think it was Smash for 3DS and Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon and Mario Kart 7 of all games, that one spot has 133 million impressions. That's how hard they're pushing 2DS. Top ad spot, that many impressions. And on top of that, their first post-E3 game announcement that Nintendo's done since E3 was for a 3DS game. It was for Yokai Watch Blasters, which is technically a three-year-old game that's only now being localized because they want to keep putting content out. They want to keep making the 2DS a thing. Like, this is the definition of Nintendo taking the budget system approach, basically. And the the thing is, the game actually does sound pretty good for this target audience of kids. Like, it's it's... Instead of being like the Pokemon style gameplay of normal Yokai Watch, they swapped it out for action RPG real time battles. So you and up to three friends, online or local, all fight big bosses together. It kind of from what I can gather, it kind of seems like the Yokai version of Monster Hunter. Hmm. So take that as you will. But um I can you know, I could totally see kids at school. I mean, you can attest this better than me. You work with elementary school kids, but like do kids bring systems and play during lunch together? Like I could see kids teaming up to maybe fight. middle school but elementary school too young they no they definitely not do you guys not allow it or are they just too young to bother um, they still have imaginations at that point we don't allow it from what I can tell oh, most okay. parents just don't allow because they're just like too immature and young to handle that kind of stuff even a $80 2DS that's made to be dropped because it could lose it ah oh, fair okay but I was going to say I could see kids gathering and playing this what, at lunch but I guess not I mean in, in a middle school maybe but I mean do you know how many kids like leave their sweaters lunch boxes like little wallets like whatever they bring like out on the PE area like that many? all the time like uh, see I never lost anything as a kid so kids are extremely forgetful as a as a group that's obviously they're just very excitable so they're my, their attention shifts very quickly yeah but but so maybe this is for slightly older than I was envisioning but it still appeals to the 2DS 3DS crowd and I mean they could do it in the summer or just yeah, not in school well this doesn't come out till September so it's missing that boat which is a dumb move by Nintendo well but. they could do it during their winter yeah festivities I don't know yeah how how inclusive of you the winter festivities whatever those may be the winter festivities but the most important part of this game by the way is that it has the most ridiculous subtitles um so there are two versions one is Red Cat Corp, and and the other is White Dog Squad. So, I'm a dog person. I guess if I were to buy this, I'd get White Dog Squad. Mm. But I'm probably not buying this. It's not really for me. But my point is, the point here is Nintendo isn't exactly resting on its laurels with uh, the 2DS at all. Because ultimately, it only makes some money, but it helps pave the way for Switch. And it's perhaps under this context that we should take into consideration a recent comment by Nintendo's new president... Shintaru Furukawa, who officially became president last week, he was saying that the company is considering a 3DS successor. And I feel like a lot of people online kind of freaked out when he responded to the question of, hey, would you make a 3DS successor? And he said, and I quote, they're looking into all possibilities. So he didn't say no, but he didn't say yes, but he didn't say no strong enough that um, you know, everyone online's like, then why'd you merge the console and handle it? What's the point of the Switch? But the Switch is a handle. Why would you do that? And only after going through this whole world that the, the, the 2DS is for kids, you kind of think and realize, well, maybe this isn't handheld versus console like it used to be. The old paradigm for Nintendo was obviously they have their handheld, they have their home system. You play one on the go, you play one at home. 
I think the new paradigm perhaps is there's like the youngling oriented first system, which is what the 2DS is now. And then you feed into the more all age, older people, whatever you want to call it, Switch or whatever comes after Switch. So like the 2DS can only last so long in this role. It's getting long in the tooth. It's, you know, it'll only become more so over the years ahead. So if they could somehow update the system in a way that lets them easily still port over games and make some new ones on budget with minimum effort, but kind of update everything so it doesn't look like they're playing a system from however many years ago now. It's all, I think it's, on, it's going on seven or eight years now, right? Like they yeah. could do, if, is it that long? Yeah, March 2011. And now we're That's in summer time, yeah. But uh, yeah, if they could basically take like the existing 2DS model and apply it to something new and keep R&D costs pretty low on that, a successor actually could kind of make sense. Like it's not that absurd. That's probably why he said they're looking at all possibilities, not just like, yes, either because, you know, it's binary before. Either we make it or we don't. But now if they're trying to come up with something different, that's probably what he means. So, like I think, I think people probably re- overreact a little to him saying that. And it could be interesting. I mean the weird thing is – this is a, a system aimed at kids and not aimed at everyone. Like, should this theory pan out, this might be the first Nintendo console I don't buy. Like, would you would you buy it under any circumstances? Is there any reason you would buy it? With the Switch's existence? No. See, that that's what's weird. Like, I know you're going to buy it because you've got to have... Nintendo it. collector. You're going to have at least one because Nintendo's history, blah, blah, blah. That's No, you're not wrong. And the thing is, even if they do make a system like this, there'll still be games. It's not like they're going to suddenly make games for kindergartners. There'll still probably be some games that appeal to slightly older folk. I mean, Luigi's Mansion's coming out on 2DS and 3DS still. WarioWare Gold is out in like a month. The demo just hit in Europe. Um, fully voiced, by the way. Wario has full lines of dialogue now. It's weird. It's really weird. But, uh, yeah, so like it's possible I will. But, it's I don't know. If it was a kid-first system, Nintendo's never quite done that. So I would, I would be hesitant. Or I would very quickly go find a wife and have a kid. Just like have excuse to end the system, well, that will light the fire under me again. We have time, yeah. But we'll see if this actually pans out. Um, to kind of put a pin in this, though, all we talked about up to this point, like the 2DS has a gateway, which I love that Reggie called it that because it makes it sound like a drug. But 2DS has gateway, Labo's expansion, the Disney show, like all of that is designed to help Nintendo continue marching towards that 20 million sales goal of there for for Switch. And whether or not it'll work kind of remains to be seen. It appears investors are not too confident that's going to happen. Since basically E3, Nintendo's been on a downward slide with their stock. On July 4th, they actually lost 5.5%, nearly 5.5% in a single day. And Japan's Nikkei claims it's due to investor concerns over dropping Switch sales and a lack of game announcements. And I I don't know. On the sales front, that seems a bit premature. I mean, there are fewer AAA games out this this year so far. Like, 2018's definitely is not the same as 2017. We have no Zelda. We have no Mario. Mario. There's not quite a Splatoon or a Mario Kart. But Switch itself is still doing really well. It's a top-selling skew in the U.S. a lot of indie games that just came out and are coming out. But, I mean, I guess they don't really look at that. It's just about the AAA. Yeah, they're, they're thinking the AAA. But that's the thing is what they're missing is just under the surface like technically donkey kong tropical freeze would count as a triple triple a game normally but because it's on the toad? system or captain toad would too but because they're on wii u i feel like investors are not giving them their due because like donkey kong that was on the mpd charts two months in a row in the top 10 both times and it's a port and then like over in europe like even the stuff you won't expect like over in europe crash bandicoot insane trilogy a one-year-old game that's been on every other system just became the UK's fastest-selling Switch game ever. 
Why? I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's it's really random. I, I don't think the inclusion of that new future tense bonus stage is really making the difference here. But it helps prove my point. Crash is showing that people are still buying games. So, you know, then you have stories like Hollow Knight. That's an indie game. It sold a quarter of a million copies in, two, in the two weeks after it came out. And that's going up against major free releases like Fortnite and Fallout Shelter on the eShop. And it still managed to sell a quarter of a million. So... Hollow Knight had quite the... I guess the word of mouth. It did well. It had Nintendo literally being like, "Buy this right now!" in their direct. It's like even though like I still don't really know anything about the game, I feel like I've been told about it. Oops. Yeah, I don't know anything. So, I think it's a Metroidvania style game. That's yeah. where my knowledge stops. But yeah, it's just like it's doing well. And then there's these stories coming out. Like GameStop, they they just put out a statement the other day in an interview where they they said Switch hardware sales have doubled following E3 or in the week of E3. So. I don't know about the whole sales argument. I mean, Switch just yeah, two days ago, maybe, in Japan, just past four and a half million units sold. It's been on a 40-week, like, week-over-week growth streak or something like that. Or maybe it was it's never dipped below 40,000 a week. I, there's, it's been doing some sort of crazy long streak in Japan to now get to four and a half million. So things are happening where Switch is still selling well. It's just not catching their eye as much because there's no Mario, Zelda, Splatoon card. It's a bunch of little things that are all contributing to continued success. The bigger picture. Exactly. Now, their point about the lack of game news, they being the investors, that that I understand. I mean, we were saying this last episode, but it feels like there's a lot of gaps. We have Mario Party in October. We have Pokemon Let's Go in November. We have Smash in December. That's basically it. There's nothing first party from now till then. Like, I noticed some third-party stuff coming. Octopath Traveler's in a week. Uh, they just announced The World Ends With You is coming in late September. But it would be nice if there is a bit more, especially with Switch Online launching in September. Did you already mention September. Travis Strikes Again? That's coming at some point this year, but we don't even know oh. when. All right. I didn't personally mention okay. it just now, but no, it is sometime right. this year, supposedly. So Nintendo Europe's been promoting it a lot harder than Nintendo America, but it's one of those things, like, I don't think investors go look at Travis Strikes Again as the same caliber as you know Mario or Zelda or Smash or Splatoon or whatever but what's nice is these gaps Nintendo seems to realize something's going on like they had the shareholder Q&A and they're directly asked in the context of their fall of their falling stock and their goal of trying to sell 20 million uh, switches they're asked what are you gonna do about this you don't seem to have very many games and this is the you know your stock's going down as, as a result and one of Tatsumi Kimishima's final comments as Nintendo's president before he handed over the reins was a tease of more to come. He, we only have the cliff notes, the translation. We don't have the actual full transcript. But according to DualShockers, he said that more information will be disclosed in the future and the full 2018 lineup is yet to be revealed. So, what do you think? Is there a surprise flagship game coming? Is Animal Crossing going to launch a Switch out online out of nowhere? Do you think he's just sort of the only other game that feels like it makes sense. But do you, do you think he means flagship, or do you think he's just going to say a lot of little things are all going to combine, kind of like they've been doing all year? Um, I hope he means flagship. I'm pretty sure it means a lot of little things. Yeah. I mean, what? Um, More ports. Yeah. Maybe like a, well, I guess we, we could consider a AAA port, like a port that's a big deal, but it's still a port nonetheless. Well, I mean, there were those rumors for a long time that Diablo 3 was supposed to be ported to Switch this year and announced say 3 or that. Uh, Namco Bandai was going to make Ridge Racer 8 a Switch exclusive, and that's part of their package with developing Metroid and Smash, so maybe that? I mean, there's all these games that are kind of backlogged in the rumors that could happen. Those would be AAA. Well, Ridge Racer wouldn't, but Diablo would. I would say Fallout 4, but Bethesda actually just the other day confirmed 
that Fallout 4 is not even in development for Switch, so it's probably not going to be that. Panic Button supposedly has their next big Switch port AAA title coming as an announcement this month sometime. So I, I guess it could be that. They're going to announce that they have had an exclusive partnership with Valve and Half-Life. And Nintendo's going to get Left 4 Dead 3. Oh. Because it's multiplayer focused. It could also be played online to go with their service. And then we're also going to get the Orange Box 2, Orange Harder. And it's just going to have pretty much all the games before that. Half-Life 1, 2, Episode 1, Episode 2. Let's be honest. Portal, it, it, Portal 2. Portal 2 would be perfect for Switch. Portal would be great. They should do a Portal 2 pack. Yeah. That would actually be really good. I hope that's what they're working on. I can also see GTA 5. I know it's not uh, Valve, but I can see GTA 5 happening. That's one that always gets tossed around. But, yeah, I like the idea of Orange Box 2. But it wouldn't be called Orange Harder. It would be called uh, Aren't You Glad We Didn't Call Banana or something like that, knowing Valve. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that could work. Assuming I mean, they ever go back to making games, who knows what they do? They claim they still do. They, um, they like, updated their mission statement. They're like, we're a game service and a game developer. Or a game service provider and a game developer. And everyone's like, are you, though? <laughs> so... I don't know. I and mean, when did Portal 2 come out? That was their last game. Um, we were that was not college. their last game. They they have that card game. Or no, that's coming out. Their new game is the card game, right? Valve. Valve's making a card game. Oh, yeah. Artifact. It's a yeah. Dota 2 card game. Was Portal 2 there? Was Dota 2 more recent than Portal 2? I don't know. Did they even make Dota 2? Like, I know it's under their umbrella, but I always... I have no idea. I'm currently I, 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 I always kind of assume that, like, some other company made Dota 2 and Dota. And... Dota 2 came out in 2013, so it is their most recent. And then Valve just kind of bought them and just says, now this is ours. Dota is made by IceFrog and published by Valve. You're not wrong. Yeah. The last Valve developed game was Team Fortress 2 and Portal in the same year. Wait, which is 2007 wait, so sorry they... no sorry Portal 1 was 2007 yeah Portal 2 was in Portal 2 game. yeah Google's Portal 2 is 2011 there you go wow and Artifact is supposed to be out this year I can see honestly I can see Artifact, Artifact or are I they see... publishing it no I think it's them um, I'm checking I can see Art... nothing like just listening to people Google on a podcast uh, it comes out it's by Valve it comes out this year really? developed and published hmm. that could come to Switch I don't think that's gonna be like a blockbuster game but that could come to Switch well I guess that means that we're gonna at least have that Splash screen, the, you know the, the splash screen of the guy with the valve on. The oh yeah, head. yeah, their their logo screen thing, yeah. their bumper, yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of just crazy. Their to logo. See. Yeah. That'd be crazy to just see on a Nintendo system, kind of much in the same way as Minecraft. I know someone, physically someone on someone Nintendo looking at like, system. whoa, you got Half Life or Portal or Team Fortress? I was like, oh no, it's just a card. Game. Could you imagine all the exploding heads and people freaking out if Half Life Three was on Switch? It's exclusive. <laughs> you download Artifact and you play it, and it turns out and it's that actually Half Life Half Life Three halfway through. Oh my god! Well, just insane. after the just after the the, the screen logo, like oh, the, it, oh, and then there'll be some people that are actually disappointed that they didn't get what they paid for. Most, but then most they, people that don't understand the legacy of Valve and just are like, oh, I want to. But see then they Valve find out that within Half Life Three, like, um, there's the, a card game, yeah, there's yeah, a poker yeah, room, yeah, like, like the main menu is just you walking around, like, oh, like, you go to the door to start a new game, or you go to this computer, and then there you start playing Artifact. There we go. Or what if it tells you it's Half Life Three, and all I can do is go to the door to enter the room to play Artifact, and there's nothing else in the game. Half Life Three is literally just a simulation to go to the room where you play Artifact. Hmm. Like but you're playing it as what's his name? Gordon Freeman. As Gordon, yeah. So these ideas are nuts. Reeling it in a little, um, Timishima is right. There is stuff actually being announced, like real things being announced for Switch that do beef up, that do like pad out the lineup. Um, I wouldn't say beef up; they just sort of pad it out. Like in just the past couple of days, there's been an onslaught of all these small scale games being announced at AMA Expo. 
like NT Creates, uh, they revealed a new side-scrolling game called Dragon Mark for Death. NES America announced like three or four different anime-styled games, including the first-ever RPG maker for Switch. I mean, granted, it's a series, so of course if it hasn't been on it before, it's the first. But yeah, they're making That's RPG cool, maker. Though. It the, is very cool. The, the Switch is one of the consoles where... It makes sense. Yeah. You actually have a touchscreen you can I work with. I don't think I'll get one just because level creating games like Mario Maker and stuff like they're always cool and fun but then I feel in, like I don't ever but, but, yeah, build but, in them. yeah but then in practice I'll never build anything that's what happened to me with Mario Maker and WarioWare DIY I, I get too ambitious I try I go too big and then it just back off I'm not ambitious enough that's the problem for me my creative outlet is something like this where there's like I don't know I can't just be like go look at it like I never built stages in Smash oh you meant the podcast yeah yeah the podcast sorry I, I gestured to the microphone but no one saw that so you're <laughs> thank you for verbalizing me. it yeah, I meant the podcast. Something like this, like doing the website and the podcast. Like, never built stages in Smash. Never made uh, micro games in WarioWare. But, but it is cool that it's there. Like, it's a really cool game that makes sense on the system. Um, and then also Spike Chunsoft, they revealed that the director of Zero Escape is making a new Switch game called AI. The how you even pronounce this one? Somnium. Somnium Files. S O M N I U M. Somnium. Of course. Yeah, you know that word. Like so, really, what I'm saying is, since E3, since as soon as E3 ended, we've gotten multiple Switch third-party games announced, basically cons- constantly for the last couple of weeks, and they've all been catering to almost every type of Switch player. And that's not even including the indies. That's not even including people like Digital Devolver saying that they're going to have over a dozen games coming to Switch this year alone, which is an insane number. But yeah, it's 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 a pretty big breadth of stuff. None of them are mind blowing. None of them are going you know, be the triple A thing I was looking for, but together they can all contribute to helping keep the Switch momentum going. And one that was kind of surprising to me is the return of Take Two's Carnival games, which to you and me is probably not very exciting. Like Carnival Games, for those who don't remember, was a Megan collection on the Wii. Uh, but for the casual crowd, this is kind of a big deal that's on Switch now because it Carnival Games was pretty big. It had a sequel, it had a mini golf spinoff, it had a DS version. And Xbox Connect version. In all, the series has sold over nine and a half million copies. Like this is not some shovelware thing. This is a big franchise in the casual space. So to bring it to Switch just kind of makes sense when it's already a local multiplayer party. It's like machine. the Candy Crush of yeah, kind of of its of time. Whatever this is of mini game collections. Yeah. yeah, and like it's it's just funny that they're bringing it over right as Nintendo's starting to extend the reach of the Switch into casuals. We were discussing like Labo and the Disney show and whatnot. Like I almost wonder if Nintendo requested or pitched Take Two on the idea of reviving Carnival Games for Switch. Kind of like how Nintendo saw potential in Go Vacation from the Wii as kind of this more casual audience game. And then they got Bandai Namco to port it over. The only difference with that is Go Vacation, which is actually on like three weeks I now realize. Um Nintendo's actually publishing that one. That's what it took to make the port for Go Vacation to happen. Take two in this case, they're still publishing Carnival games, so it's not one to one, but it it feels very similar. It feels like they're targeting the same crowd, and I feel like Nintendo had a hand in that. But the other thing about Carnival games that separates it from Go Vacation is it's not a port. Some of the twenty included mini games are from the original. I think uh, they mentioned Ring Toss and an Alley Ball Horse Racing. I don't really know what that means. I think it's the little prop horses, and then you like Alley Ball, ball Horse, horse racing. racing. 
If anyone knows what that means, please leave a comment on episode 180 of the Rantown Podcast. Comment, tell us, because I'm not a carny. I don't really understand how this works. But anyway, they have those, but then they also have new mini games. Like they have drone racing, they have cosmic bowling with four separate alleys. So there's like a whole bowling game inside your carnival games game. Um, drone racing? Drone racing. So basically, fly, flying, little airplane racing. If it's as intense but, as it is in the Vegas tournaments, then it could be fun. That. Yeah, and I mean structurally, this is kind they're of, awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of nuts to watch, especially when they do the first-person camera yeah. perspective. But but structurally, Carnival Games is more gamey than like typical Megan collection. That you are you play the games using motion controls, and then you win these in-game tickets, and then you use those tickets to unlock more games, unlock outfits, and unlock other things. Like there is progress to be made. It's not just like when you turn on one two switch; it's just a bare menu. So it, that is carrying over from the Wii. Now you can just you know do it on the go or at home, all from one system, whatever. But assuming the audience for a game like this is on Switch by November sixth when it comes out, I could totally see this being one of the games that Kimishima had in mind as a way to like bolster the Switch. It's not gonna triple A sell the Switch, but the name recognition when paired with other stuff available on Switch could convince someone. Like if they were thinking of getting a Switch and they saw this game, that game, and the next game, and they remember their good old Wii days when they played whatever casual series they played, and they see them all kind of line back up on Switch, Carnival games included, that could help. That could help sell it. It's not going to single-handedly sell it, but as part of a bigger conversation, absolutely it could make a difference, I feel like. I mean, 9.5 million is nothing to scoff at. This franchise has been around. It's, people know it. People like it. could be a big deal. For us core gamers who want like a new Meteor multiplayer experience, there's also now going to be Mutant Football League coming to Switch pretty soon. Has that game been around for it a has. long? Cause it's it... been around for a little bit. It's, um... I mean, what do you, what do you know about it, if anything? I don't know. I want to say it was like an N64 again. So, yes and no. So, it used to be an old... Midway? No. EA? EA. EA made this back on... It might have been N64. It might have been earlier. It was Mutant... I don't know if it was Mutant Football League, but it was the exact same premise. Maybe a different name. And then the creator, without EA, revived it as Mutant Football League. So it's inspired. It's like the spiritual successor. It's the ukulele to the Banjo-Kazooie. Huh. Kind of. But, but for modern, to put it in a modern perspective, it's basically like cut from the same cloth well, as Rocket League. As long League. as it's not the Mighty Number no. 9 to Mega Man. No, 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 no. This has, got, this has been well-received on other systems. It's been out for a little while. Hmm. And it's yeah, it very much is more like how Rocket League does its spin on sports. That is like trying super hard to emulate an old thing and then just failing at it. Like it, it's kind of creating its own thing out of football in this case. Like you know, it's uh, it's seven on seven football. The field has obstacles like saws and landmines, and you can either play football by the rules or it has um, ways you can bend the rules. Like you can bribe the refs. You can literally murder your opponents come in half do what you gotta do using various weapons and for the switch version they're doing what they're calling dynasty edition when it comes out and that will let you play in addition to being a skeleton robot orc or alien you can now be a werewolf or a demon so oh. that probably just sold someone somewhere on it but it's, it's it's actually the real interesting thing about dynasty edition is it comes with a full dynasty mode which is a normal sports game thing where like you manage your team through multiple seasons and you trade players and whatnot. so it's basically an actual football game just with this weird mutant overlay and more arcade game. Kind of interested. It's kind of like like I I've never played it, but I've watched footage in preparation for talking about it, and it kind of reminds me a lot of NFL Blitz. If NFL Blitz was super gory, like it's kind of that like it still follows the rules of football and whatnot, but it just has that extra um, layer of crazy huh. on top of it, essentially. So what I'm saying is it looks fun. 
And like, it's kind of nice to have it on Switch in in light of the fact that EA still won't bring over Madden. So for those who, you know, are buying Switch with sport and have sports games and are sports fans, they maybe have NBA 2K or FIFA or whatever, Mutant Football League. It's rooted enough in the real sport that this could probably appeal to them. But like also, it's crazy no enough that, mode where uh, I don't know. I don't know if it does the Mario Tennis thing. It has like a simple mode. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's out September 18th. I like how they call it simple mode, but then on the description it says, for a test of true, of true skill. Yeah, it's simple, but it's actually harder. But, yeah, um, yeah and it's a Mutant Football League, at least. Um, it's out September 18th, which is relatively soon. So there's something there if people are looking for that. Or, you know, I was saying sports games fans that appeal to them. If you're a fine game fan, which the Switch certainly has been cultivating a huge user base of lately... Um, Skullgirls announced the Anime Expo. It's coming to Switch. Uh, Lab Zero Games confirmed Switch will be getting the second Encore edition of the game, which includes all the DLC ever released and more enhanced single-player elements than previously available. Is that so, the final version of the game? Was there a I final do, Encore? I don't know if there's a final. I mean, they already moved on to that new RPG they're making. That Indivisible? It, yeah, which it, which is already confirmed for Switch. So it's only a matter of time before Skullgirls happened. But... Yeah, I don't know if they're going to go back to Skullgirls. I'm not sure. If, all I know is it has all the DLC up to this point, obviously. Oh, okay. Well, but I mean, that's it, good. I mean, like, all the DLC up to this point added a very good amount of characters compared to when it first came out, like, a long time ago. Yeah, it's been around for a while. I guess I remember when it was first announced. And, and I mean, it's still pretty unique, even in its own space. I mean, it's a 3 versus 3 fighter, kind of like Marvel vs. Capcom. Mm-hmm. But it has more grounded fighting elements, like Street Fighter, than... Marvel vs. Capcom because that game is just like nuts people jumping off walls and stuff but yeah Marvel vs. Capcom you're in the air like 80% of the time I feel like yeah this one you mainly see on the ground but I mean like it's still it's very creative and I think the hook obviously is just the fact that it's hand drawn in the same way that Cuphead is hand drawn and animated mm-hmm. but instead of going for an old school look this one just has kind of like a cartoony horror it's kind of like a it. gothic yeah. Well, not fully, but some of the characters certainly there is fall one, under that bucket. There is one. I mean, like a lot of the characters have different aesthetics. Like there is one character called Peacock that is meant to be a um, 1950s cartoon, kind of like um, like Cuphead, like just like Cuphead. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, does he have the little Pac-Man eyes? It's yeah, key part. Yeah, has the Pac-Man eyes, and they're black and white. Ah, ah, okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's fun. I'm, I mean, it, it was a fun game. It was maybe a little too much for me. Like, too intense of a fighting game? Yeah, I think that was still... I was, like, right in the thick of Smash Brothers, um, Brawl, when I started getting into... When I looked into Skullgirls. That's how old it is. It's kind of funny to think about. I know, right? It still feels somewhat new to me. But... just I guess because it's not, like, old, like, Street Fighter old. Yeah, I mean, whenever they announce a new character, because, I mean, they have to animate these things by hand, so it takes a long time. And when, yeah. they, do, when they do announce them, it's a big deal. Like, I remember I was in one of the panels at Anime Expo, when they were showing us Squiggly, and then when they show us the trombone dude, and yeah, it wasn't a while until they actually started adding like male characters. Mm-hmm. I think they have like two or three, at least two that I could think of: Beowulf for some reason, and um, the trombone dude. Yeah. Which, funnily enough, um, using certain key combinations, you could have them play different notes, and people have essentially played entire songs with two of them on the screen, just essentially huh. treating them like an instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a giant trombone. Or tuba, one of those two. Maybe. A brass instrument. Yeah. I think his name is Big Band, but that doesn't really help with what he is. Point is, so just getting a lot of 2D fighters lately, and whether they're like the high-end ones, like this one I would consider a high-end one. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, we don't have a Street Fighter, but it's it's kind of making the Switch look like a nicer and nicer fighting game machine. Dude, the Switch is not... I, I counted. I went and looked this up. There are... This isn't even the full list of fighting games, but I, I counted at least 12 different fighting games on Switch, including Dang, Pocket Rumble. Did you count Street Fighter as... Well, I counted as... 30th anniversary? Yeah, sure. I sort of counted as two, yeah. But but Pocket Rumble no, came I mean, out I mean, Thursday. I mean, counted as 12. Well, yeah. yeah. But Pocket Rumble came out Thursday, so that's another one to add to the list. It's finally out. It happened. But no, it's it's it. This isn't including any of the Guilty Gears. Mario this Tennis. This isn't including any sort of yeah. I know, yeah. I know, but this doesn't include the Neo Geo games. But just give you an idea of how much of a fighting machine Switch now is. We've got Arms. We've got Pokémon. We've got both Ultra Street Fighter Two and Thirtieth Anniversary Edition. We've what got yeah. uh, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. SNK Heroines coming out. Dragon Ball Fire Z coming out. Brawl Out's already out. Blade, Str- Blade Strangers is coming out. Smash Bros. Okay, I'm only at nine. I don't know what happened to my other three. I had twelve. There's that other indie one that was revealed in the last direct. Remember? Yes, three uh, D Fight Stranger, something Stranger. No, not Blade Stranger. Blade Stranger uh, is the yeah, no Nick- fight, Nicholas. fight, fight. It's like Fight Kingdom or something. I know what you're talking about the one that's mir- the one that's kind of trying to be Virtual Fighter. Yeah, we have that. So that's ten. And if you add in Guilty, I didn't even mention any Guilty Gear. So let's say one Guilty Gear, and then let's say one King of Fighters. There's your 12, and there's obviously multiple of those. Well, it's not even counting all the 2D ones released by the hamster. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, like the arcade archive ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, it's this, like, Skullgirls, especially because it has that, like, credibility more so than some of these other ones. Um, again, it's I don't think it's a game that's going to sell Switches, but if you're a fighting game fan and you see every game I just rattled off on one system... Unless you're a pro player of one specific fighting game, I I could see you getting a Switch. Like maybe just for Smash, and then you pick up the others. But then that's just more revenue for Nintendo in between the games. Like it's it's this oh, it's yeah, gonna help. Out. Did you say brawl out? <laughs> I said brawl out. Oh, yeah, but like it's like something like this is good for the system. It's not just paying out the lineup. It actually can make a difference. So even if it is an old game, and even if it isn't gonna sell system by itself, it's part of a bigger narrative, which is something that investors don't look at. I feel like. I mean, similarly, like, you could look at first, uh, not first, single-player games. They kind of fit the same mold, like uh, Walking Dead. Been on everything. Rebels of Ether? What? Rebels of Ether got announced, didn't it? Did it? I want to say it did. For Switch? Yeah. You might be right. Um, That's pretty cool if it did, but... I don't remember if it did. Yes, I think it did. I think I saw it in passing. But but that's another example. But, like, any sort of single-player, like this whole narrative driven genre that's popping up we've talked about this before in the context of the indie ones but like if you're a fan of that genre okay one game on switch yeah no i don't need a switch two games okay maybe i'll take a look three games ah yeah maybe all the walking dead including the final season that's actually been confirmed final season will be out later this year on switch slightly later than the other systems but close enough like and have the ability to play that on the go like that that might convince you to get a switch it's kind of the same sort of mindset um it's also been reported that for those who already have a Switch and want to catch up before final season, Walking Dead Season 1 and 2 could be out as soon as August 31st. Not confirmed yet, but a European retailer in the media market leaked the listing. So, that could be happening. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that it just pads out the lineup between Pokemon and Mario and Smash and all that. It's Mario Party, I should say, especially with all three seasons. So, I don't know, you, you're a fan of the series, right? Like, what? Yeah, it's the only version of Walking Dead that I ever got into. So, why why should people, if they never played it, why, and they own a Switch, why should they go play these? Like, you really like it, right? 
Yeah, what, I mean, what's cool about it? Like, what, what, what's worth uh, jumping in for? I don't know. I mean, I just like how different it is. Like, most games, like, even, um, like, graphic novel kind of games, like Ace Attorney and um, Professor Layton, like, I would kind of compare them to this because it feels like you're... Well, in the case of Telltale Games, you're, it's, like you're watching an interactive movie, and in the case of Ace Attorney, it's like an interactive novel. Mm-hmm. But same idea. But because it's an interactive movie, I mean, it still gives it that kind of passive experience where every once in a while you get to influence the story and the story like you really feel like the ramifications of your choices later on and what i love like just knowing that like all my decisions carry over from like game to game like from season one to season two what characters are still there like the relationships you develop and yeah depending on like what you pick like a lot of those choices can be really hard towards the end but yeah it's mainly just how they deliver all those choices i mean it's just com- they're just good storytellers. And, and the final season jumps ahead in time, right? Like, isn't... What's her name? I mean, uh, each adult? season jumps ahead in time. Like, in the first one... Isn't, isn't, um... I mean, in the first game, Clementine is, like, maybe 10 or 11 or something. Oh, okay. And in the second one, she's at least, like, 16 or 15 or something. Like that. And now and she's like, an adult for the third, right? Yeah, and then... The, well, there was a... I guess I guess this one coming up would be the fourth. Oh. So where's, t- where's season three on Switch? Um, I don't know. That's weird. Because season three, from what I know, because Clementine does come out in it, that one's called The New Frontier. Oh, that's the spinoff, sort of, right? It's like a separate sort story of. that she she's only a side character in, isn't she? Yeah, but I mean, she's still active doing stuff. Oh, true. But I mean, I think that's how I can get away with not bringing it to Switch right away. Yeah. Because I think this one goes back to the main story. I mean, I shouldn't be... I shouldn't have asked you why I do it. Like, I still need to play Batman in the Telltale series, which I have on Switch. Disappointing. Yeah. But I do still have it, yeah. yeah but, um, but Telltale makes great games. The only other ones I've played are the the Wolf Among Us. Really, uh, really like that one. Well, here's a question for you. I'm curious. What are your thoughts on the game engine? Because I've read online a lot of people, and again, I would know if I played Batman, but I read online that a lot of people find the Telltale tool, as I think it's called, to kind of have not aged super well. I mean, I guess I can agree with that. It is like a 14-year-old engine. <laughs> I mean, it does the job, but I mean, it could... The animations could look better. Mm, okay. I mean, a lot of the the textures and stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, it does look like it came from whatever year the game came out in, like the, ten years ago. Um, right. the The reason I ask is there's a story that came out. Uh, Ver- so Telltale's making a Stranger Things game, original storyline. I think it's a prequel, right? And um, yeah, the thing is, like, even like their newest one, like the Batman games. Like, I was watching Elvis play some of that on his computer, and yeah. he's running it like on the highest specs, and I thought it looked. It looks significantly better than the Walking Dead games. Well, yeah, they can I don't iterate know. on an engine. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly, but... I mean, going from these Walking Dead games that are pretty old at this point... Like, yeah, like they definitely look like they haven't aged well. Right. But looking at the Batman, which is the most recent one, that looks like the improvement I would have expected them to have in this year. Right, So, right. I mean... So you you're think people are being too hard on it? Yeah. Because apparently they took it to heart. Because what I was starting to say is, so Variety, they're talking about how they're making a Stranger Things game. Well, I mean, and in the story, Variety's like, oh, by the way, Telltale, after Stranger Things, is dropping their engine. They're going to Unity going forward. Which is kind of interesting. Because I feel like Telltale, part of the way, like, yes, they're known for being storytellers, but part of their hook that got all these licenses to hop on board is they were like, look at our like end to end sweet here so to speak we make the story we have the we have the unique engine that powers all this that no other company has and now are just going to unity that seems that seems like they're giving up a special trait kind of i mean yeah. unity's fine and, and the thing is but... like all their i mean there is like a telltale look um they all have yeah. 
like that cell shaded look that they have to them. So they didn't really need to. I mean, the characters can only look so good before like right. you plateau on that art style. And I mean, they all look the way I would expect them to do. Like I can't really, besides some environmental stuff, I can't imagine the characters looking any better. Right. Without it turning into some weird different art style. Which and I wonder if Unity's up. I mean, like, do they want to go for more realistic looking I characters? Because I feel like yeah. that's the wrong way to go. I feel like it's great the way it is, and I mean, honestly, because it looks almost like a lib- like a moving comic book. That's kind of almost like what it reminds me. But I mean, you also have those games like um, like Minecraft. They literally can't make that game look any better than it does now because it looks exactly like Minecraft. It's almost Bedrock like it's running on make shinier water. It's like they're running on the Minecraft engine. Yeah, but. Well, I think I think in the case of Telltale, from what I remember reading, I read this whole expose about Telltale a long time ago. They've had some weird friction inside the company. Apparently, the engine over time just stopped; it was just less and less optimized. And the reason they kept delaying things like The Wolf Among Us season two is because of the engine. So I think them. So it's good to know that if you're playing a Telltale game, it doesn't affect you too much the engine. But it seems like on the back end, the development side it is hurting them. But I am curious to see like if Unity is going to change how it looks in a meaningful way because you're right they have a very distinct look mm. and unity is very flexible i mean i i i remember it was at three or during this shareholder q a that nintendo just did but there's some nintendo exec who said something like they said there are like a thousand different unity powered games across all the different nintendo platforms right now which is nuts but that shows just how like flexible it is so in theory Telltale could make Unity their own and do great things with it and speed up their development cycle and get games out more frequently and actually have seasons that finish within a reasonable amount of time. Or series, I mean. But, yeah, I don't know if they're going to lose kind of their signature feel. I'm sure it won't. It probably um... won't. But, I mean, either way, it's a little ways out because they have to first make the Stranger Things game, which I hope comes to Switch. I would get that on Switch. But then again, I also bought Batman. I haven't played it yet, so I'm a horrible human being. What well, yeah, I'm saying, very much so. Yeah, thank you. Uh, one other third-party announcement since E3 uh, that I wanted to mention isn't it isn't a new game per se, but it does again sort of pad out the Switch lineup. This case, in a physical sense, on store shelves, and that is that Bandai Namco is combining as previously digital-only releases of Pac-Man Championship Edition Two Plus. I almost forgot part of the title: Pac-Man Championship Edition Two Plus and Namco Museum. And they're going to have a physical compilation coming on September 28th called the Namco Museum Arcade Pack. And that's pack spelled P-A-C. So no is that K, also available actually. digitally? Like just one software? Unclear. That's a good question. But what you do get if you get the physical version is Pac-Man, Galaga, Dig Dug, Tower of Druaga, Sky Kid, Rolling Thunder, Galaga 88, Splatterhouse, Rolling Thunder 2, Tank Force, and Pac-Man Versus plus Championship Edition of Pac-Man. It's a lot of stuff. For thirty bucks, I think. Um, so, oh. yeah. What were you gonna say? No, it's just, um, a very minor sidestep. Yeah, uh, something else that was kind of unclear that maybe you know the answer to. Maybe. So, Rumble on the Switch. Yes. Um, Out now. Locally, it says eight players online, nine players. Does that mean eight players on one Switch, or f- like four players on one Switch and then another Switch next to that one with another four players? I've looked at a lot. Huh. I tried looking at a lot of footage, and nothing really seems to help out. The only, the closest thing I saw was, um, like on their last trailer, they just flashed really quickly, like four players, eight players locally, and then nine players online. So it's like, why would you have to specify? Just, just, yeah, just straight up say like, can I not play with eight people on one switch like I could on the Wii? 
that almost kind of makes it kind of like a weird side deal breaker. I am. Or is very disappointing if I can't play with eight people through um, the power of Google. Yes. You can use. Uh, so we don't apparently know. Switch can support up to eight controllers. Oh yes, it can. Because Smash Bros has eight player mode again, doesn't it? Is Ultimate it's supposed to? Eight players confirmed for Ultimate, which means it has to be able to support eight controllers. Four Joy Cons, four Pro. That's probably how. Or maybe it's or eight Joy Cons. Or what if it's four Pro controllers and four GameCube controllers, and that's the only way they're able to do oh. it? Oh well, we'd have to dive a little deeper into Rumbo. But if anyone I listening you happens to know, tweet us. Tweet us and let us know. I mean, I guess I'll find out soon, but. Yeah, because even the um, the listing doesn't really help. No, it doesn't. Like, not, like, I know, not, like nothing I know. is clear about it. And yeah. color master mode is basically out the window because you don't have the asymmetric. Because from what up, I the, remember, yeah. there isn't. As from what I know right now, I can't. Wait a minute. What? Oh man, how did we play Pac-Man? Pac-Man versus or Pac-Man R? Yeah, Pac-Man or Bomberman are with more than four people? Yes, we did. Yes, it does. There's the answer. It does. It supports up to eight. Yeah, it just... The system supports up to eight. Rumbo supports up to eight. The only thing it's missing is Color Master because you don't have a two-screen. The only thing that throws me out that I've never... I rarely see if ever the... That screen, you know, like where it asks you, like, oh, press L and R on both controllers? Because you pair them... It only ever matches them as. I think you pair them as pairs. No, wait. No, no. no Bomberman has that weird thing where you have yeah, to, like, remember we, we had all yeah, that yeah it, yeah, it does, like, the first light, then it skips one, and then it's the third light, and that's, like, player five, and then it does the first yeah, light. Yeah, so that's and... how it works. It's must, yeah, it's doable, because Bomberman does yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, So Rumbo right. does it, too. So there you go. People who didn't ask the question, you now have the answer. <laughs> but It's um, an important question, because that was, it is. Like, that's no, literally it is. one of Rumbo's draws. And it, it is an important question in the sense of, um, yeah, of Rumbo, and even stuff like, well, no, Pac-Man VS, Pac-Man versus Max is at four, never mind, it's going like, yeah, bring it back to Namco here. Yeah, about this asking whether like they share one piece of software on the Switch or if you have to download two separate ones. Cause yeah, I don't one. know. Um, I I think well, this is supposedly just a physical compilation, which means actually it has a very nice box. Like the box art looks really cool. Yeah. I don't know who they got to drive. It looks really nice. Like every all the games have. It's a not indicative cartoon. of the final product. Not game. at all. It's <laughs> very misleading. It actually reminds me of the arcade cabinet art back in the day, where it looked nothing like the game you were playing. But but the, the the real reason I brought up Namco Museum, besides, hey, here's another thing that pads out the lineup, is um, it gives us an excuse to talk about the flip grip. And I assume you, at least, Angel, know about the flip grip. I don't know how many listeners do. Of course I know what the flip grip is. Yeah, the guy, so the guys at Fangamer realized that with so many games offering a vertical view mode on Switch, there's at least two of them in the Namco Museum pack. Uh, it only makes sense to create a Joy-Con grip that lets you stick the Switch in the middle of your controllers vertically. And apparently, a lot of people agree with this concept because the Kickstarter had a goal of 42000 that it met in a single day. And as of this recording, it's at 120000 Wow. Yeah. So, people like it. And it's, it's really well done. Like, they, they Is the figured Kickstarter out... still going? What? Is it's it... still going. I don't know for how much longer. But they, um, you know, they, they put... they put the switch in a way that the headphone jack is still visible they put the switch in a way that airflow is still going through the grip and doesn't cut off the um fans they purposely set it up so you can only play undocked in handheld mode to keep power use down so the fans don't over whirl and overheat like they really thought through everything and the more i think about it the more i'm surprised that nintendo themselves didn't do something like this i mean multiple arcade archive games of nintendo's own properties have vertical modes like punch out 
And then there's so many like bullet hell games that do it. Ikaruga does it. Strikers 1945 does it. I guess that's also an arcade archive, so that's kind of double dipping in my examples. But still, they like everyone that I mean, has a game that's made for vertical is supporting this vertical mode. So it seems a little silly. Yeah, I mean, Ikaruga does it. I think you're yeah, so I was just saying. So it seems kind of funny that they didn't build it themselves. But here we are with. Here, uh, Strikers does it right. I know I said that before, but I'm not even sure if that's true. Strikers 1945, yeah. both of them, that you can do vertical mode, right? Uh-huh. So yeah, like this is perfect for that. And so I guess, I guess you you've been playing Stri- you've been playing both of them, but you've mostly been playing Strikers so far, right? Yeah, it's funny. I got Strikers because I go to Anime Expo every year. I think I've for the past like almost nine years. This is my first year. I'm not going. Thank the heavens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and. In at Animex, well, there's like an arcade section, and we always run into that Strikers 1945 machine. My brother that's and that's why you bought my it. My brother and another friend of mine, so it's like kind of nostalgic. And my friend, um, he's like an expert, at, like he has like the whole game basically memorized. Uh-huh. And we would just like try to beat a score sometimes, and blah blah blah. And then when I saw that it was on Switch, I'm like, oh, that's awesome! I need to buy it. So then I bought it. So I bought Strikers 1945, and then I take it over to the South Side Big TV, yeah. and then. He's like, huh, I don't recognize any of these planes. I don't recognize this first level. Everything is different. Is the arcade version different and, 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 from the And it's like, where is your your secondary weapon? You only have the bomb. And I'm like, huh, you said 1945, right? Like, yeah, this is the game. And then it turns out um, there's a giant Roman numeral 2. In the background. Yes. And the background. what's confusing is both are already on Switch. Yeah, they're, yeah, they were both on there. But he actually didn't even know. That he was he, playing the sequel. Yeah, he was playing time? a sequel. Like, yeah. So would you guess a flip grip for it? No. Because... You prefer playing on the big TV? Yeah, I prefer playing on a bigger TV. Actually, you know what? Better question. Never mind the flip grip. How's the game? Like, is it actually a really good bullet hell shump sort of oh, game? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's... I, I know literally nothing about this game. I mean, it's a classic. <laughs> I mean, you don't need to know, like, anything about whatever war they're playing on. But it, you just pick a plane. Um, each plane fires a little differently. Some fire, like, at a steady rhythm. Some just have, like, a steady stream mm-hmm. but aren't as strong. And... This one is a li- keeps it simple. You just have your main weapon that just shoots continuously, and you can just hold it down. You don't have to rapidly tap it like you would in the arcade. And you also have like a bomb that just clears all bullets from the screen and gives you some invincibility and wipes the screen empty. Mm-hmm. And that's all you have. But the amount of precision I guess you need to just dodge like some of the barrages is just intense. And there are some power ups. You could power up your ship up to three levels just by grabbing the little power ups, or you could grab more bombs. But I mean, that's pretty much all there is to it. It's just a really fun, fun, simple, but can be very difficult, like, shoot them up. They're called bullet hells for a reason, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and I don't know, I really enjoy playing them. It's just fun, just like, like, snaking your way through, like, hundreds of bullets. Right. And now that I know that there's a sequel, I'm going to try to beat through the five level. Well, I've gotten pretty far, but I'm going to try to beat that last level on the higher difficulty. Mm-hmm. And then just move on to the second one, which would be the one that I actually remember. <laughs> and it's only like I mean if it's Arcade Archive it is right it's Arcade Ar- it's Hamster Day arcade yeah I want to say it was it's like 8 bucks probably right? yeah I want to say it was seven ninety nine. yeah which I mean for that price it's definitely worth it I mean right and you could I, use a flip grip but and, I mean, and it's two player I mean you could play with two people simultaneously oh nice so. that's cool do you each use one Joy-Con I guess yeah you could use a Joy-Con or you could both use like I guess you two Joy-Cons you want, right? or you could right. each use a Pro Controller or any combination with the Nintendo Switch uh, I had an infomercial thing going, but then I lost it. Like with Nintendo Switch, it's up to you. the choice is yours. Switch it up, play however you want. Um, 
use a flip grip don't but yeah it's it's there's this whole like cottage industry of these of these bullet hell games on switch right now i feel like because we mentioned like karuga obviously there's a couple in namco museum but then there's also like which we'll probably talk about in a future episode. There's just uh, well, I mean, there's just that, shapes and beats. There's I can't believe I'm thinking on the on the game on the game right now. But there was that one that we talked about on this episode, like maybe a few episodes ago. It's like an indie game. Yes, with the plane. Yes, yes, yes. It's yes. not as intense of a. Bu- it's not so much a bullet hell as that one is just more of a shoot 'em up. But it's the difficulty in that one comes from leveling up your ship and slowly getting to that point where you can survive barrages. Right. But yeah, you're thinking of. Our own website is loading really slowly right now, so I cannot tell you. But yeah, we played it. I want to say like start of the year, maybe, maybe, right? Maybe, perhaps. Uh, I mean, I don't recall, but yes, I know what you're talking about. Man, we need to be more prepared when we bring up games that we didn't know we were going. Yeah, talk we about. need to be more prepared for the moments when we can't be prepared because they're spontaneous. <sighs> we're so disappointing. Um, what are you thinking of? It was an indie game. They were curious enough to give us the copy. Yeah. Yeah, which it makes it even worse that we don't remember what it is. I'm buying time while I look for its name, if you couldn't well, tell. that's okay. Well, I guess we're just going to have to move No, I'm on. finding this thing. Sky Force Reloaded. There you go. Told you. Told you I could find it. Yeah, we talked about it way back in episode 171 for anyone who's curious. But yeah, that's just another example of how there's this whole cottage industry of these on here. Which again, much like the other games, on a smaller scale because it's much more niche. But this idea of like, you know, someone sees a Switch and sees game XYZ and they really like that genre, having game ABC then follow that, you know, that will get you to be more interested in the Switch. So, so yeah, that, that these are just some examples of Kimishima's point, I think, that there's still a lot of stuff coming to Switch. And by the way, that's probably the last point of Kimishima's that we're going to talk about on the show. He's retired now as Nintendo's president. It's all Furukawa. 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 Wow. Furukawa. Going forward, there we go. I feel so bad that I botched that. I'm sorry, Mr. Furukawa. But it's funny because he actually has another play besides just Switch being the thing that keeps Nintendo afloat. Um, the other thing that investors aren't thinking of that he has pointed out and talked about a lot is, yeah, there's games kind of Switch, maybe not enough of them, but there's still the entire mobile side of Nintendo's business. Granted, it's not as big as the Switch business, but it's one thing that Nintendo keeps saying over and over that they want to turn into a standalone pillar. And it was Furukawa himself after he got... I mean, they put up a pillar with like Mitomo and then they knocked it down. And then... Well, more Mitomo was more like the uh, foundation for the pillar. And then they realized they built it in quicksand, so they quickly scooted it over to Fire Emblem Heroes, which was a much stronger foundation. All they've done? Oh wait, there's Animal Crossing, but There's I Animal never Crossing. Really hear anything about it's that. still being played. It's just yeah, I think it's underperforming to be honest. But um, and Mario, I well, mean, so Mario Run was. Because I mean, I keep one. hearing about how amazing Fire Emblem Heroes is doing. It I mean, is, but I never yeah. really hear anything about Animal Crossing because it's not doing amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably doing okay. See, Fire or Animal Crossing, what they did well with Pocket Camp is they have very frequent events. They have stuff constantly happening. They had that from day one. But I just don't know if... It hasn't hooked people in the same way because it's not really Animal Crossing. Like, Fire Emblem Heroes is still Fire Emblem. Animal Crossing Pocket Camp feels like some sort of collect-a-thon-y thing with Animal Crossing skinning, which when I first started playing it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the collection side of Animal Crossing. That's great. But then I realized I actually don't like the collecting side as much as I like just the world building and interacting and that sort of thing and that's not there in the same force for me at least so that's why i don't play it as much but but yeah no nintendo wants to make mobile a bigger thing like furukawa he did an interview with this company called or this japanese business paper called uh, sanabiz 
And man, I'm butchering Japanese left and right this episode. I'm so sorry. Anyway, he was saying that Nintendo still wants to release two or three mobile games per fiscal year, but he added a new goal for them. He, now that he's president, would like to see Nintendo turn mobile into a 1 billion yen pillar. In other words, he wants them to make $911 million in profit off mobile. That's a lot of money. And Fire Emblem Heroes, sure, that's probably doing it. Um, Mario Run just passed $60 million worldwide in revenue, which for a fully paid like for a fully paywalled game that that's, that seems decent i know it underperformed by nintendo's expectations like what they originally were striving for but a 10 dollar iphone and android game making 60 million dollars that that's nothing to scoff at that's still a decent amount of people that are buying it and then there's you know now they they got the collaboration with Psygames games coming up and uh dragalia lost that's the next game on the docket and that that's already exceeded 300,000 pre-registrations in Japan. So that's a lot of people expressing interest in this game. Plus, we still have Mario Kart Tour on the horizon officially. And less officially, there's the Zelda mobile game that the Wall Street Journal leaked many months ago. So there is stuff coming. Nintendo is, you know, they're going to turn us into a business that even with Switch maybe isn't quite hitting the exact same highs. Mobile can maybe fill some of that void. But even outside of Nintendo's own games, they're still making money. Pokemon Quest has been downloaded three and a half million times already. Granted, that's mobile and Switch, but still, three and a half million. It's made an estimated three million dollars in revenue already. It's a free-to-play game, but already made three million dollars. So, like, it's you know, Nintendo's making money through all these, and most notably, and really, why I'm actually building towards here is Pokemon Go is back. Like, it's really back. Like, it's the most active it's been since its launch in summer 2016. Back, which, to be clear, is an actual stat. An analytics firm called Super Data. They crunched the numbers and found that revenue generated in May alone was up 174% compared to the May a year prior. $104 million in just that month. And it's been going up since then, and it's now wow. the highest point it's been since launch, basically. Or so, since the peak of its friends. And that's like, I guess, with all those people that it, I guess sucked in because it definitely lost a lot of people in the last it, year. Yeah, and then it all came back. It's like the perfect storm of features and news that made it possible, really. I mean... I mentioned this before on the show, but Niantic finally got their act together with keeping activities frequent and varied inside the game. And then for the summer, they've ramped up even more. They're doing all these real-world meetups. Um, they just had one in Dortmund, uh, Germany. And while it had some issues at the start, like they had connectivity problems, by the end, they got it all ironed out, and there were 170,000 people who turned out to the event and participated. And now they're basically doing this all summer. Did it work this time? It, uh, in the morning of the first day, it did not. But by and by afternoon and then the entire second day, it worked fine. And now they're going to do it again in Chicago. They're going to do it. They're going to revisit Chicago. They are, but they're spreading Ground it out. Zero. Yep, they're going back to Chicago. But instead of it being in Grand Park, Pokemon Go Fest this year is going to be spread across the city, so there won't be as much um, congestion in any one cell mm. tower. It's like there's a mile long walk they're preparing that you can do to catch special Pokemon, and then there'll be stuff elsewhere downtown. That's cool. It's still a ticketed event. They're just doing it in Lincoln Park instead of Grand Park, which is laid out very differently. Lincoln um, Park? Not the band, the zoo, and park. L-I-N-C-O-L-N. Because, you know, Abraham Lincoln is from that state. so It's named after him, not after the, the my favorites. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they have that going on. They have one in Japan in September. And each of these events... What's cool is they're not just like if you're in the place you can do it. They have worldwide consequences. So there's boosted stats on a special, you know, like on a special week or day based on what happens at the events. They then have special one day Pokemon raids based on what happens at the events. So like Arcuno Day was this past weekend, 
and you could get Arcuno and Raids only for this one day with some special stuff. And now a week after that, next so next weekend basically, uh, they're doing their monthly community day event, and you can catch Squirtles with special moves. And not just a regular Squirtle, if you're lucky, the Squirtle will be wearing sunglasses, and they're doing a little Squirtle Squad anime, Pokemon anime tie-in. So, like, they're doing a lot. And on top of all that, now that I think about it, they just surprise um, rolled out some special Pikachus for the second anniversary of the game. Can't believe it's been two years. But yeah, they, they come in little sun hats and sunglasses. So they're just constantly doing stuff. It's literally, for the last couple of weeks, it's been a new thing almost every 48, 72 hours. Well. So you have that, but beyond just the events, Niantic also has two things working in their favor. They have the buzz of Pokemon Let's Go, which got a lot of people to start playing again, at least what I've seen anecdotally, and the introduction of a friends list and at long last Pokemon trading. So anyone who's listened to us for a while knows I've been playing Pokemon Go pretty consistently this past two years. I never really fell off like a lot of people did. But to see where it is now versus where it was is pretty neat. Like this is what a lot of people thought should be two years ago when it launched. And now on its anniversary, it's finally there. But to give you an idea of just how big it's gotten, the usual raiding party at work is like eight to ten people. We go, there's a you know, other people at me there, it's about eight to ten in total. I did a raid the other day and there were nearly forty people. It went from 8 to 10 to 40. It was crazy. Like, this game's two years old. Everyone thought it was dead, but here's all these people playing. And it's able to happen because Niantic kind of nailed it. Like, they they figured out how to make the friends list work. They figured out how to make training work. And, you know, it has its own... They both have weird restrictions. Everything in Pokemon Go has weird restrictions. But the, the friends list, the gifting to friends, the trading, they all mesh in, like, just the right way that gets you not just to engage yourself, but it's convincing lapsed players to hop back in because people need their friends to start playing with them. So it's like a word of mouth thing now. So so how it all works is you have a friends list, but you also have a friend rating. So the more you interact with your friends, the higher the rating is. And the higher the rating is, the better things you, we, you can then do in the game. You can trade Pokemon without needing to pay as much in-game Stardust. You can add items and attack bonuses or... You can get items and attack bonuses. You mean trading raids. isn't free? Trading is not free. That is correct. The concern is that there would be also black market of sorts in which players may literally just farm and sell powerful Pokemon. Particularly ones that have high EVs and IVs, which are hidden stats. All the hardcore Pokemon Go fans know about this, but they're like the hidden stats that actually affect how your Pokemon does in battle, like in real Pokemon. But they are a thing in Pokemon Go as well. So, to counter this, Niantic did two things they basically put a penalty fee onto trades with low-level friends and whenever you trade someone they actually scrub the iv and the ev data from the pokemon wow so it doesn't mean it's gonna be worse just means it's not gonna be exactly what you give the person so the penalty fee first the less severe of these two comes in the form of that stardust i mentioned so stardust is only collected when you do in-game activities and it's then used to power up pokemon for those who don't follow the game so you can't actually buy stardust so to lose it for a trade makes trading like that much more sacred, for lack of a better word. Like it's significant. You want to really think about what you're trading and why you're trading it. And the amount of stardust you pay goes down in proportion with the friendship level you and another person have. Because that's the other thing. You, um, The more you interact with other people, be it doing raids together at a gym or battling to take over a gym if you're on the same team or even just – this is the secret best feature of Pokemon Go now – even just giving gifts to people and receiving gifts, all that will boost your friendship level. And the gift giving I find to be the most significant because now basically when you go to Pokestop, you'll sometimes receive a gift, basically a gift bag. 
you can't actually get anything out of it, but you can give it to someone else, and they can get you know on your friends list, and they can get any assortment of items, including exclusive goodies like Alolan Pokemon eggs, which give you access to rare Alolan Pokemon that you can't get anywhere else. Like right now, the only way you can get a low form of Meowth or Muck is by using the eggs that you get from the gift. But Alolan Executor you could find in the wild. Yeah, so some are in the wild. Like I found Rattata in the wild, but some are only through the eggs, and I go rotate them every so often and what sort and that sort of thing. But it's just a way to get you to do gifting. But what's nice about gifting is the more you exchange gifts, the higher your friend rating will go, and the more frequently you'll then receive crucial items because the gifts actually come with good stuff. It's not just like Pokeballs. It's like revives and that sort of thing. And as someone who has over 100 Pokemon that need to be revived, yeah, it's a legit problem, and I need those gifts. So you can find my you can find my friend code. Yeah, friend code. They're still doing those. There's no Pokemon Center, is you there? Can, no. No, there's not. You yeah. have to revive. It's a money-making scheme. But you can find my friend code at... Uh, on my Twitter at JSR7 if anyone wants to friend me in Pokemon Go and give me gifts. But the the so that's half of it. That's the penalty system and why and gifting in the friend levels. The other half of the trading is when I was talking about the um scrubbing of the IVs and EVs. The idea there, like I said, is they don't want people to make like a black market. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have worse Pokemon. It just means you're not guaranteed to have the necessarily best Pokemon. And the thinking there is they don't want people to just go friend folks online randomly from around the world and just get really good Pokemon and ruin the game. In fact, the whole friend system in its entirety is based on mirroring the real-life idea that you have to build up a friendship. That's why there's the levels. That's why it takes time and interaction before you suddenly best buds. You can't even trade legendary Pokemon until you hit a certain level of friendship. It's and again you can do it through gifting, but a lot of it's also you have to do real physical things with people in the real world because they're trying to prevent this from just becoming a weird black market. So if you're a super hardcore Pokemon player, you may be disappointed that Ivies and Eevees are being scrubbed in a trade. It uh I'd probably be upset about how friend levels work too if I was really hardcore. But like as someone who just likes to go out in the world and do raids with people I know, I kinda like this up a lot. Like it basically encourages your raid crew to stay together and keep doing its thing while also encouraging you to extend what you do as a group outside of phys- like outside of actually always being together the main goal is you're still together and you're still doing stuff but if I go one place on the weekend someone goes somewhere else like we can still swap gifts and still kind of build each other's Pokemon up so the next time we raid we both get the benefit so it's it's a cool little it's a cool little system my only complaint is again friend codes why do why 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 are friend codes a thing in 2018 I don't I don't know they will never die but yeah, I guess this whole thing, this whole Pokemon rant, just sort of morphed into usually our what we're playing segment. So this is one of the things I've been playing. So I guess I guess I'll count it. Uh, I'm actually kind of curious to see like where they go next with Pokemon Go. They like trade the trade system, the friend system. Those are going to be improved. I'm pretty sure they're going to be built on top of. What but, would you like them to add besides obviously the new Pokemon? Which I guess you don't necessarily want them to add them because well, now they're going into territory bad... that you don't even know. They could, yeah, yes, but they could do. I mean, they can add battles between trainers, opposed to just battling Pokemon you place in a gym or whatever. But I don't really know. I mean, I think where, what's interesting is where they're going seems to be less about features and more about re, uh, mirroring, making it feel more real world than it already is. Like you know, the friend thing, like I said, is building towards like a real world experience. But Niantic's showing off this crazy new AR tech that is able. They're going to implement and go down the road, I believe. And I don't know if you saw this video. But essentially, the game is able to detect objects that sees through the camera, and then the Pokemon can go behind them. It can. It has like it might need like some better camera technology. But the thinking is, 
when you have a Pikachu in front of you and it runs away and it runs behind like a bush, it disappears behind the bush until it pops back out on the other side. Like it will, as if it, you're looking into a lens of real life, it'll actually hide behind things and come out from behind things or peek around things or whatever. And it, we'll, we'll put a video up on the blog post because it is it's impressive it's really cool like technology is neat sometimes even if it's totally pointless like just pikachu's hiding it's really cool so that's something that's where i think pokemon goes gonna go next is more realism if anything but besides pokemon because i went on a whole rant about that like i just want to say games don't making a lot of money games doing really well games are great and that's gonna help nintendo's bottom line to kind of bring that to a close but besides pokemon there's all sorts of other games to talk about the biggie is of course mario tennis aces uh, which launched last week, and uh, I don't know, it had some questionable choices in this design, I'd say. I mean, the one that bothers me is why isn't there a retry button for any of the story mode challenges? Like, every time you lose a story mode challenge, you have to exit out of that challenge, start the dialogue again, skip the dialogue, and only then do you get to do it again. And I'm not saying it's, like, that horrific or that bad, but it feels like Camelon and Nintendo just decide, nah, that, that's not needed. Why would you need to go back? It's fine. And then they kind of took the embodiment of that idea of like, nah, that's not needed. Why would you want to do that? And applied it to everything in the game. Like everything in the game works just fine. But it's kind of like, why would you just inexplicably not do that thing that you would expect to see? You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not, they, they don't even have all the features in which kind of leads me to believe that I guess we're just going to get them fixed down the road or added I mean maybe cause I, it, I mean for one thing you're only able to play tennis in a tiebreaker fashion which they call quick match or extended play which is just a first to three yeah I don't know why they decided to call yeah, it yeah it's extended. extended play in name only it's really not extended it's the basic version of yeah, ten, like it, there's no five set or seven set or six yeah, set I mean yeah like no, normally you could play in sets every Mario Tennis that you do this play a whole set that is first to six games and then you could play in matches where it's like first to three sets or first to five sets. Which, as you know, if each set is up to six games, and that's assuming you win them all back to back, it could go up to seven or nine. And then you also obviously have your tiebreakers, but you should be able to play like a bunch of tennis like immediately back to back to back. For whatever reason, you can't. You only have those two. But which is weird. But for whatever reason, on the bottom, on the bottom of the screen, whenever you're playing multiplayer... There are these like five bars, or I guess these these five segments in two rows of five that show the score currently, and it only shows the score for the entire match. For whatever reason, you never move on to the other bars. They just seem to be there. It's to as be if there. they built in. Well, that's Multi- kind of like it's so like they, they built in multiple matches, but we just can't play multiple matches yet. Well, what's funny is there was a article. I don't say it was positive. I mean, just throw adding characters, so I don't see why they can't just yeah tweak some numbers and oh now you could play multiple games it seems like there was definitely hints that there was something there originally because polygon had an article about the missing features and they said some people on reddit discovered and like posted a screenshot of a loan screen explaining how sets work and lists three sets and five and seven which are not in the game and nintendo's like oh no 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 we're just explaining like the statement for nintendo's like no we have nothing to announce we were just explaining how tennis works like on a general level it's like well no you don't don't explain what you, you don't can't turn on Mario play. Kart and explain to you, and it, you know it's like the Mario Kart learning screen teaches about manual gear transmission, it, like it doesn't it, it, it has nothing to do with yeah. Mario Kart. So I think it probably is coming in. And you're right, they are they are adding stuff. I mean, and we're getting Diddy. Bro yeah. So and... so Koopa Troopas right now. It's it's weird how they're doing it. The only way to unlock characters, and this is actually kind of a, 
a weird flaw of the game. The only way to unlock new characters is in the online tournament mode. So you get Koopa Trooper this month if you participate. You get Blooper next month, and then later in the year, it's Diddy Kong Birdo and Koopa Paratroopa, which is all great. New characters are doing the arms thing, rolling them out slowly. That's cool. What I don't understand is the game doesn't have a whole lot of modes to begin with. It has Adventure Mode, which it weirdly dumps you into the second you boot it up without explaining what's going on. And then it has yeah, online. Com- didn't let you do that. Yeah, and then it has online competitions, which can be you know friendly or competitive. And then it has uh, like I guess local multiplayer, but it has the other. The non-adventure mode is just against the AI. And in most games, if you're playing against the AI, you unlock stuff as you play. In Mario Tennis, as far as I can tell, in Aces, it is not. You don't get anything. You're just it's basically practice to then go online with, which is fine. But it just makes the mode feel kind of moot. Because you can also just practice with friendlies online and not have it affect your score and actually play real people. Like, what's the point of playing against the computer if you get no reward for it, you know? Like, I feel like they should have balanced the characters between, like, half in, in-game unlock and half online rollout unlock. Yeah, I mean, at least they give you a lot of characters up front, but... They do. It's nice. And and they are very... They're, some are a little broken, I feel like. Or not broken, but the balancing isn't perfect, but... It's no, yeah, the internet seems to be pretty decided that Bowser Jr. is the worst character ever. I've heard people say Toad. And I've heard people get really frustrated about Boo being able to go very long distances. I read a pretty interesting interesting article on Kotaku today Uh that um, talked about how um, Bowser Jr. is just dominating every tournament. Like, apparently, like, the last, I guess they had, like, a local tournament, like, somewhere, like, like the biggest Mario, the first biggest like Mario Tennis Aces tournament. Yeah. And even though a Yoshi won, 46% of all contestants were Bowser Jr. Huh. Uh, that's like almost that's a half. lot. Yeah. And then like the top like three or eight were almost like someone was Bowser Jr. And if you look online, like someone was like looking at the stats and it's like almost all Bowser mm-hmm. Jr. It's like Bowser Jr. is just everywhere. And yeah, essentially it's because since he's a defensive character, he has... He just returns balls almost without ever showing the the weaker hit version, mm-hmm. and all you ever really have to do is just use your zone speed to catch up to the balls that go farther away. Right. Zone speed being your slow mo mode, but yeah. yeah, that that's interesting. Yeah, it's but I mean it's a game. It's it's an online. It's a post patch era game, so yeah, it's obviously going to get patched. And I hope they patch long because you know what? Like I kind I almost get the lack of sets. Like the limited sets being only three. The game they kind of want to keep. I had a guess they probably want to keep some sort of briskness to it. And, like, things do go on for a while once you're doing zone shots and zone slow-mo and funny, trick it, shots. And, like, it, it can stretch out. It's funny. My longest games, and I've had really long games, but yeah. my longest ones are the ones that don't have any of that active. Oh, and you're just doing simple mode? Yeah, we're just doing simple. Simple mode, I've actually heard a lot of people say they like better. I, I don't feel that way yet. I still like the fighting just mechanics. rallying and rallying and rallying. We're like, yeah, like, at this point, like, we know, like, we would have lost already because of like we'll save the ball is actually no in theory the other one should last longer for whatever reason um simple mode just lasts a lot longer for us and it's also way more intense just because you don't, oh yeah because it's, it's like, all up to the rally at that yeah, point you don't have trick shots during, you don't have KOs knocking your racket apart or whatever yeah which I do like I mean they just feel they feel, pretty, it, they yeah. feel different enough that one doesn't really necessarily feel better than the other one the one, the one thing that makes that kind of I'm confused by is you don't really have the ability to set up what you want. Like no. you can't pick a stage; you have to go the other way around. 
Like, you don't pick a stage. So when you play online, it picks a stage for you if you oh, do competitive. Yeah. But if you play any other way, it's like you have a list of stages that can be randomly chosen. It could turn off the ones you don't want randomly chosen to the point where there's only one stage. But you can't actually, like, pick the stage. Which I think, again, is kind of Nintendo trying to make things, like, streamlined and you just jump in and play. It's got to be brisk. It's got to be quick. But it's kind of a weird choice. I mean, it's weird... And it's like the Smash if, if, it, if it was Smash Brothers, like that would be a big problem. But I mean, the more I've played the game, like doesn't bother I, you as much. No, at first it did kind of bother me because like, oh, what if I want to play this stage? What if I want to play that stage? But the more I play this game, the less and less it feels like a big deal because for the most part, I'm so fixated on the ball and my character that I don't really pay too much attention to the background. And also, like even though different stages have different effects on the ball, and this is not counting hazards, right? Like some balls have the ball move a little faster or the bounce is higher or lower or whatever you almost don't really feel too much of that difference like from court to court so I know it's going from so, like so normal just, to like clay so, so even or just sand go, so even just going like the custom route you just leave it custom have hazards off and just like that I don't know at this point I just want to play the tennis and I've almost kind of started to like the fact that it's just I don't have to worry about picking the stage I just know that stage is toggled to the settings that I prefer Right. So like, oh, I still get the variety randomly chosen because the stages they're are all basically the same. Yeah, thing. they're all basically the but same. But if you leave all the various options on, then they get pretty drastic, drastically different. Like, you, you basically took the restrictions they gave you and made it work for you versus just Nintendo let you just do what you want from the start. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, they did. I'm not saying, yeah. I mean, I just have to go into the setting and just uh, yeah, I guess. I guess it's kind of the same. I didn't really have to do yeah. anything. I, yeah, I guess that one. That one you can grow to be okay with yeah i, mean, I think online it, it, i can just see it being really annoying if you're someone that really likes a handful of particular stages like oh i only like to play in this one for some reason right then yeah that could be really annoying online though has some pretty we- weirder stuff than this one like i don't know if you're if you could come around to this but like you can do doubles online but you need a random person to join the room before your friend joins or else it switches to a friends only lobby and then no random so like you and me i'd be like let's do doubles together with random people on the internet from our respective homes on our respective switches i can go in the lobby i can set it up if you come in before the randoms start coming in suddenly we won't get any random it just goes to friends which is a weird thing like it's all these weird little things that's like what are you doing nintendo like why would you do that perhaps even stranger is you can't do doubles with your friend local like you and i we play smash on one console on the online against competitors we do it with mario kart can't do it with mario tennis it supports doubles locally it supports doubles online but does not support doubles locally going online which is kind of odd like all these things can be patched in or fixed or whatever but there's just so many weird little like oversights like that one on the switch in particular that one feels like a big deal that you can't do local doubles against random people on the internet that is kind of weird right yeah. or like like what i'd actually love to see this isn't even a complaint it's just a wish list thing i want them to copy arms party mode I want, like, if you're going to do random stuff, which you're apparently doing, Nintendo, why don't you just dump a whole bunch of people in a room and have it shuffle all those people around between different sets of singles and doubles on various courses, some with op- some with hazards, some without, some with different, you know, uh, court material, and then, like, maybe throw in some skill-based minigames from the adventure mode, but make them two-player, and then have you compete against someone else. Like, make do the, the party mode thing from ARMS would work great for everything they've been building Mario Tennis around in terms of, like, the... It's all about just ganging quick and doing stuff, and you never know what you're going to get. Like, that that would be, like, a cool thing to have as a new mode in Mario Tennis Aces, and then they just add customization for the other mode or something. Other modes. I mean, tournament makes sense. That's kind of randomized, because 
you have to be on your toes. But like regular online multiplayer, I feel like that party mode would kind of take care of what they're trying to do. This is all pipe dream stuff. But I mean, to, to be clear, like, and it's important to stress this, I think the gameplay is fun. Like the core of Mario Tennis Aces is, feels like, to me at least, what it needs to be. Basically, everything I felt from the pre-release online tournament that we discussed a few episodes ago, I still think holds true. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's it's kind of like getting, a fighting it's game. It's getting there that it's you kind of stumble a little. Yeah, beginning. it's like hurdles aside. It has some good variety. It has some cool ideas. The fighting game mechanics neat. Like the lack of modes is a little odd. Like there's the surprisingly difficult adventure mode, which has the weirdest event. The storyline is basically Thanos. So Wario and Waluigi, they steal a mythical tennis racket, and you need to stop it from consuming the world and them, and you do it by collecting five power stones. It's literally the Infinity Gauntlet, if the Infinity Gauntlet had some netting on the end. And uh, it does what the story does what it needs to do. There's This adventure mode does what it needs to do. There's a good amount of variety. There's some kind of funny dialogue. It feels very low budget, though. Like It's just like talking heads with, with text. But like it does offer some cool little things, and you do get some interesting challenges and it teaches you kind of the mechanics of everything and how to aim and how to do your shots correctly and they could go apply that into multiplayer I would have liked if they went one step further and kind of mirrored how the Game Boy Mario Golfs did it where it was more of a cohesive like RPG element but they kind of they kind of have hints of it like you can upgrade your character you can upgrade your rackets I love the single player mode in Mario Tennis Open yeah like great yeah like something like that even though it didn't really have a story like I did like how like it felt like you're. It, it was like the, there was like the hub world, and you pick what world you want to go to, and yeah. there were different challenges. It felt more high budget than this, which adventure mode feels low budget, which makes it even funnier that they dump you in it at the very start of the game because it makes the whole game feel kind of low budget for some reason. Yeah, I think they're trying to show it off, but in reality, they're yeah. just showing off how exactly not impressive it is. Exactly, but like w- what it has, the challenges are cool. Like the P Piranha boss fight was the, like that was very early on. I was like, oh, this is actually really neat. They're taking like tennis mechanics but applying it to like a, a normal video game boss. That's kind of cool. So, like, it does cool stuff. Even, like, hit the weak spot with the tennis balls in there. But, uh, yeah, I don't, it's just, like, so once you get past the hurdles of the modes and adventure mode coming off kind of cheap and whatnot, like, there is good stuff to be had here and there is variety to be had. It just all feels kind of hampered by the weird framework of the game. Brockabar way of putting it, you know? So, I don't know. I'm holding out hope, like you were saying, that they can update this with patches. We're in the patch era. They're already, yeah, they're already doing patches for characters. How much harder is it going to be? It sounds like they're listening. And I'm sure, like, I mean, I've come around to some of the decisions. They were, I found them pretty annoying in the beginning. But now I'm, I just accept it. And I guess I just got used to it. So now they don't really bother me. Yeah. But, I mean, like we said, like, this essentially was the tennis game I was really hoping it would be. Yeah, so, at core, it totally so is. That I'm definitely happy. And I mean, there, I, I'm pretty confident we're going to see some stuff in September. That's when the swing mode update's coming out, the one they've been advertising in that Nadal Mario commercial, where you can have two switches back-to-back and do local motion controls against each other on separate devices, so you're actually facing each other. Like, that's so, a pretty big update. So, so calling that they called the wrong shot, so that means the computer's going to randomly just call a shot that's in out? I have no idea. I mean, like... I don't know. That, I that have no weird. idea. I, from my understanding, swing modes, motion controls are actually a little more I mean, intense I, than uh, I would like, like it Wii if, Sports was. I, mean, so. I would like it if maybe um, it was on, like you have the two switches facing each other, but I guess you have to have like a third person watching the game and they're the ones that have to make the call, like if it's out or in. Cause yeah, if, like you had a ref, yeah. Because if a computer is doing it, it just feels like they're cheating you out of points and you have to like, essentially call every shot they make just in case yeah I, don't, I honestly don't know how this gonna work it'd be interesting to see but but why, the reason i brought it up originally is that's a pretty hefty update because that's like a major advertised feature 
So I imagine if we start seeing fixes for some of the stuff that we don't like as much, like structure-wise, I imagine those would be coming up September as part of that update, as a start. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. And and again, it's like if they do the fixes to the stuff that I'm, I'm at least complaining about, it'll be a great game. Right now it falls very squarely under good in my book because core gameplay is excellent. It's just everything around it kind of leaves you scratching your head a bit. And then it doesn't help that when you go online, somehow everyone's insanely good at the game, and I just suck at tournaments. But it's still fun, so that's well, okay. I mean, that part could be easy to get banned, but... Yeah, that's just that's true for any game I play, I guess. But yeah, so like overall, I I like it. It's just there's... Like, it's one of those things like what happened with ARMS, where we were nitpicking all the little things, because overall, at the time, we felt the gameplay was worth it. I know you've had a change of opinion since then, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that was the uh, Wimbledon part of the podcast. Uh, now we'll move on to the World Cup portion with um, Soccer Slammers, which I have not had the opportunity to play, but you've been playing. It's a two-ease new, two-on-two arcade soccer game, one to four players. Well, is does it even have online? Is it local online? Both? It doesn't have online. Ah, so local only. How is it? Yeah, What's it like? I mean, kind of like Mario Tennis. That like. I first like went into it like I just had to try it out like on my own first before I played it with my friends, and, and kind of like Mario Tennis, it kind of had like some weird choices. I mean, like basically the game you could is from the get go, it's designed to be played with two versus two, or two like two pe- people versus two people. Yeah, two okay, people versus yeah. two people, or two people versus the computer, mm. because you're essentially forced to do at all times like a two versus two and. You don't control both characters. You just control one of them. I was like foosball. You do control <laughs> the passing of the ball between the other one, but that's pretty much it. Uh-huh. I mean, essentially, you don't get this game to play with yourself or with another person. You play it, you but you 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 get it because you need another party game. Right. And in that sense, like it definitely delivered and kind of like Martinez, like it just kind of gets straight to the point. Like the menu just has like a splash screen menu. Press start. It already tells you like in giant text, like one player, two player, three player, four player. You pick four player, you pick your team, and then the match just starts right away. Mm-hmm. Like, almost, like, with, like, less than, like, a second delay. And the best way you can describe it is, like, the bare essentials of Mario Strikers Charged. And, yeah, it's just the bare, like, the, like, the essentials <laughs> so of Mario Strikers Charged. So, soccer. So, yeah, arcades are, like, so you have your aggressive tackling for Mario Strikers Charged, and you have the charge mechanic. But instead of passing the ball a lot to build up the charge and then scoring it for like a guaranteed goal this one you have to chart you have to pretty much um charge your shot by holding down by holding down the kick button and then when you let go you shoot it if mm. you charge it up all the way and you throw it at a certain angle like it's a guaranteed it again yeah, guaranteed point and the goalkeeper like spins around in circles the thing about this one is that the games go by really fast you could get a fully charged shot in in maybe less than two seconds if you're quick enough. And because of that, like, your opponents have to, like, get in your way as fast as possible. They have to, like, tackle you. Is, and it, is it whoever gets to a certain number of points or is it a time-based match? It's time-based. So uh, whoever just scores the most points. Okay. And by default, it's set to one minute. It's set to one minute. That is very fast. One minute <laughs> halves. Oh, so, so one minute total. I'm like, oh so my in God. total, it's two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's still very One fast. minute felt way too short. We set it to two minutes and that actually felt perfect. But it was just really fun just how, like, fast-paced it is and just tackling someone that has the ball feels really good or just, like, intercepting it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it just moved really fast. Like, the solid community says it's just really fun, really addicting. We played it for, like, a good hour. And considering it's just, like, that same, like, 
little match, right? That two v two match right. without much variety. Like you don't really need it. I mean, that's we knew we were getting ourselves into. We just wanted a quick little soccer game, and that's basically. That sounds perfect. It was like literally a party game. The only there was one big. I'm assuming I don't know if it's a glitch or it definitely can't be intentional. But like we did find like a a weird thing, thing. where pretty much um when you play right away. Player one and player two are always on the left side. No, yeah, on the left side, and player three and player four are always on the right side, no matter what. The first half, that's fine. The second half, the goalies change positions. So now, because we're player one and player two are always on the left side, all of a sudden the goalie is where we are, and now my opponents have to run all the way over to the opposite side of us in order to block the goalie. So as soon as we do the initial kickoff, I could literally just charge my ball and just like throw it in there. Like less than so two. instead of you moving with the goalies, you stay put, but the goalies switch as they should? Yeah, the goalies switch as they should, but we stay in the so same spot. Huh. The Our opponents should always be between us and the goalies, right, but right. for half the game, they aren't. That sounds like a bug. So what we had to do was essentially pass the ball once, wait for our enemies to run to position, and then we pass the ball again, and then we start. <laughs> you guys had a scamper period, essentially? Yeah, because there was a game, because um, we ended up winning a match where that ended up actually being a big deal. Like, one of the points we scored was, like, that. Like, they had zero chance of stopping it. There was nothing they could do. Mm-hmm. But we won by one point. So I was like, all right, I guess that's a tie game. So we have to do another one with our updated um, fix, I guess. Right. So, At least um, until Atui puts out real fix. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that gets patched. Because, I mean, it's kind of, I mean... It doesn't ruin it, but it does kind of, like, have to kind of halt the game a little. Because, I mean, yeah. it sucks to have to lose to... It sucks to have to lose for a, I guess, a technical error. Right. That had that was completely out of your control. Right, right. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's a fun little party game. I do like the look of it. Like, the kind of boxy... I don't want to say it's Minecrafty, but it's, like, voxel. Yeah, and, it, and it's super easy to pick up. There's only three buttons. It's just dive kick, kick, and run, and sprint. Hmm. And sprinting is limited to your little meter. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one that had played it before uh, the four people that I played it, like when I played it by myself. And right. I mean, everyone picked it up super fast, but they're also all pretty competitive. Which gamers, sounds like so. the perfect type people have. For yeah. Like so, I mean, we obviously got like really, really into it. Yeah. It really sounds like kind of like exactly the type of game that'll do well. Yeah, and I mean, like when you're picking teams, like it goes by, it's like the World Cup. So, like you could pick like Mexico or Spain right. or Japan or. How fitting given that's going on right now. Yeah. So How the, much is this? I want to say it's fourteen ninety nine, fifteen. Well, I mean that's what it is. Is it? Yeah. Are you sure? Is it? I, I swore it was. Or like was it ten? I thought it was ten, but you would know because you have. Well, actually, you wouldn't know because we got it courtesy of a Tui. Thank you, a Tui. Uh, I'm gonna look real quick. I thought it was ten. When you said fifteen, I'm like that sounds too high. So let me see. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. We're doing great with our googling this episode. <laughs> um, it costs a lovely. Uh huh. Drum roll. It's loading the little thing. 9.99. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. So would you say so? Okay. Would you say it's worth 15? I would say like, damn. I guess unless like you know you can have a consistent amount of friends over often, I would say it's questionable for 15. But what about 10? Oh yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. That's how you. That's how you, makes a, a that's how you rate game. a game. If it was more than it is, it would be different. But the price it is, yeah. <laughs> well, of course that's true. I know, I know, I know, like, I know. Come on. No, I know, I know. I wasn't making fun of you. I was making fun of us having that conversation. Look at <laughs> arms and 60 bucks. Come on. When it first yeah. came out. Yeah. Even now, you could still say it's only like 50. Yeah. But yeah. 
All right, so that's yeah. any other thoughts on soccer slammers? I mean, uh, it sounds like if you basically have people over a lot, so we're picking up, especially for competitive. Yeah, it's, an, it's just a nice game to have on rotation. I mean, we switch between that or switch, cook, huh? just shapes and beats. I mean, right. Which will what we have to do impressions of just shapes and beats on a different episode because then we're wrapping this one up. But in the future, we should definitely talk about that. Um, but before we do wrap this up, we have a contest winner to announce. I mean, first of all, thank you to all who entered. We asked you guys to share your favorite news from this year's E3 back in the last episode. And uh, unsurprisingly, a lot of you said Smash. We got shouts for Ridley and Ice Climbers. There's one guy who was pretty pumped about Inkling, which I would like to specifically shout out because Inkling is really fun to use. I won with Inkling at E3. Thank you very much. Uh, it was the free-for-all fun mode, though, so it meant nothing. Uh, but we also saw name drops for Pokemon Let's Go. Someone was pretty psyched about Tales of uh, Vesperia coming to Switch. Which, to be honest, I did not expect to see as one of the answers, but that's cool that there's something for everyone at E3 this year. But for the swag giveaway itself, there can only be a single winner. And we randomly chose the winner right before the episode, and that winner is Josh. Josh, uh, how you want? Do you want to take a stab at his last name? I don't want to butcher. I butchered enough names this episode. We can spell it out. M-I-C-H-A-U-D. There you go. Michaud or Michaud. I don't know which, but either way, Josh... Congratulations, you won um, a bunch of E3 swag. His comment for anyone wondering was actually Pokemon Let's Go was his favorite E3 announcement. And here's his quote. But only because we finally get to ride Pokemon in-game after nearly 20 years. So, there you go. Oh, and they put a bunch of gibberish because he was so excited. And 20 years was in all caps. So, making all these dreams come true at this E3. Rideable Pokemon and free swag. So, congrats, Josh. Uh, the swag pack that you're winning includes Mario Tennis Aces pins a Smash Bros. logo pin, a Smash Bros. logo towel, an E3 exclusive I Brought My Switch pin, which is kind of a lie because unless you're at E3, you did not bring your Switch. Uh, but also not one but two Switch cleaning cloths. So, Josh, keep an eye on your inbox. We'll be emailing you for your address pretty soon. And to everyone else, thank you again for participating. We're not done, though. I mean, this specific one's done, but we've still got... <laughs> our summer of giveaways going on over on our Twitter at Ram Nintendo. In fact, a new one will be coming this week, so you're definitely going to be on our followers list. Make sure you follow at Ram Nintendo so you don't miss that. Doing so will also have the ad benefit of informing you when our next episode is available, which is extra crucial right now because we're going to be coming back slightly later than usual. We're at Comic-Con when our next episode should go up. So when it does hit, likely on Tuesday, July 24th, instead of the typical Sunday, July 22nd, uh, you can expect thoughts on whatever Nintendo's doing at the show. Whether that's news, whether that's surprise games, whatever it is, we're going to be covering it. We'll have impressions of a big surprises at their booth. Uh, we'll probably have impressions of stuff that we're playing outside the convention hall. I think we're finally going to talk about Fortnite. We were just mentioning Jet Shapes and Beats. We're going to have stuff to talk about. So to make sure you don't miss it, by now you should know the drill, hopefully. Um, you can subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice or on YouTube, where we now post every episode at our random Nintendo.com account. And again, follow us on Twitter at RandomTown so you don't miss anything. So, uh, yeah, with that, I'm JSR7 on Twitter. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O on Twitter. If you wish to follow either of us as we uh, go about our Comic-Con shenanigans in a couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, Angel, any last words? No. No. Last words are no. Last word is...